0: uh in health news two new studies say probiotics are mostly useless and might even hurt you
1: yeah uh but does that also mean that taking them naturally like through like yogurt yogurt and stuff like that is bad i don't know find out
0: said hi unless you eat a a lot of greek yogurt
2: what's a lot (laughs) more than one a day one 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 container, <laughs> gallon. What do you we'll have? Cut, a vat?
1: Got a container?
0: <laughs> Did you ever think about making your own Greek yogurt? <laughs> Did you
2: ever
1: think about it?
0: <laughs> yes, I have actually.
1: Really? Because I never have. Wow!
2: No. Why? What you can made get a yogurt maker.
0: Because they have yogurt maker. Yogurt, yogurt maker. <laughs> I already have one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any Jeez. of that. I don't care how Greek you make it.
0: Ah. Uh, Do I need to wrap this up?
3: I mean, I think we all do. All right. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show.
0: It's two minutes after six at DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Severe Weather Center 11. It's 60 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter.
4: We just had a, a plane crash into the 4 of the World Trade Center, transmit a second alarm and start relocating companies into the area. The one is also sending the whole sign on this
5: box to that area, okay? The World Trade Center tower number one is on fire. The whole outside of the building was just a huge explosion.
6: Send every available ambulance, everything you got to the World Trade Center now from up here, a plane just crashed into the
4: World Trade Center, for your information. One, okay. It appears an airplane crashed into the World Trade Center. I'm trapped
7: here because from the previous collapse, I need some it out. okay? Are you- yeah, I going to need a couple of guys here to lift this, uh, this beam up, okay, so we can get out of here. You have help on the way. Do you see
6: that? There is help on the way.
0: Well, oh, even after all these years, those sounds chilling. Uh, the, um, the anniversary of the nine eleven attacks today. People who were killed during the 9-11 terror attacks will be honored at Ground Zero this morning. A commemoration ceremony is being held beginning at 8.30 Eastern time. The names of the nearly 3,000 people who died will be read aloud. Family and friends will be in attendance to remember loved ones. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo and Mayor Bill de Blasio are scheduled to appear at that ceremony. Here's then President George Bush on hearing about that first plane hitting the World Trade Center.
6: Uh, I had been notified that a plane had hit the World Trade Center. At first, I thought it was a um, light aircraft. And my reaction was, man, either the weather was bad or something extraordinary happened to the pilot. I then uh, informed some of my staff members to, you know, provide help to New York City, whatever help they needed to take care of this incident, and then walked into the classroom.
0: Here is uh, the president speaking about finding out that it was something much different. My
6: first reaction was anger, you know? I, who the hell would help? do that to America? And then I immediately focused on the children. And the contrast uh, between the uh, notion of an attack and the innocence of children clarified my job. And that's to protect people. Instantly after that, the press corps started getting the calls. And it was like watching a silent movie. In the back of the room, uh, reporters were on their cell phones, they were getting the same message I got, which meant that a lot of people would be watching my reactions to this crisis. So I made the decision not to jump up immediately. I didn't want to and leave the classroom. I didn't want to rattle the kids. I wanted to project a sense of calm.
0: And then more planes began crashing into buildings that morning.
6: I, remember thinking the first one was likely an accident, the second one was an attack, and the third plane was a declaration of war. The first task at hand was to respond to the attacks and to prevent other attacks from happening as best as we could. I got to the base of the plane and the whole situation looked different. People were armed. The stewardesses at the top of the stairs were sad and concerned and frightened. I remember giving a big hug and saying, everything will be all right. And I said, let's go to Washington. I wanted to be in Washington, DC as a commander in chief at a time of war. And I needed to be, uh, you know, in the Capitol, making the decisions necessary to protect the homeland and recover from the initial attacks.
0: We will continue to remember this anniversary throughout the rest of the morning. Hurricane Florence is taking aim at the Carolina coast. The Category 4 storm is heading directly for North Carolina and could make landfall on Thursday. President Trump has declared a state of emergency for both North and South Carolina. The governors of those states, as well as Virginia, have started issuing evacuation orders to get people away from the coastline. Over a million people in that area are being told to move inland. The National Hurricane Center will likely start issuing hurricane and storm surge watch advisories today. Forecasters are worried that once Florence makes landfall, it will stall out, dumping rain across the area, uh, which is what Harvey did in Texas. Uh, This could bring huge flooding Issues inland. Meantime, the Navy sending ships from its naval station Norfolk out to sea to weather the storm. The ships are being sent to areas of the Atlantic where they can best ride it out.
2: Yeah, I saw our uh, our old producer Slack tweeting out some stuff from down there. They, they've, I mean, they're prepared. It looks like everything is shut down.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know people uh, in Hilton Head who have been told get out. So the Duquesne Incline is closing for three days for maintenance. Crews are expected to reopen the Pittsburgh Icon on Friday. Port Authority will be operating a shuttle bus while the work is being completed. Yesterday was Suicide Prevention Day. One in 10 U.S. college students have attempted suicide, a new study finds, and at least one in five have thought about it. The Brigham and Women's Hospital report looked at thousands of students at colleges across the nation back in 2015. A quarter of students said they had been diagnosed with a mental health issue over the previous year, and nearly three-quarters said they had experienced some type of stressful event over the same period, be it financial, social, or academic. Sexual minorities showed greater rates of self-harm. Asian students had higher rates of suicidal behavior but fewer diagnosed mental health issues than white students, while black students had lower rates across the board. Well, forget walking desks and ping-pong tables. What employees want most in their office environment is natural light in a window. There it is. A new survey found that for a majority of workers, those two things were the most important perks of a workplace atmosphere, beating out on-site cafeterias fitness centers, and even on-site child care. The survey also found the absence of natural light and views of the outdoors negatively affected employees. Over a third said they don't get enough natural light in their workspace. 47% of respondents said they feel tired because they don't get any natural light. And 43% said not being able to see the outside world makes them gloomy. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Which, if it's gloomy outside, <laughs> I don't know what that does for you, but...
1: I always wonder about dogs too. How important it is for dogs not to just to be outside, but to be in a place where they can see the outside, where they have windows and access to direct sunlight.
0: Yeah. I oh, it's know, probably I've never thought pivotal. About
1: that. Yeah, it, it probably. Like when you leave your dog in a kennel, that's like all, all st- concrete. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's probably better if they're in a place that has like lots of views. A nice like the other-
2: big yard that they can all be let <laughs> well, out. Certainly in
1: that, but I mean, like I'm talking about just when they're inside, being able to see outside. I bet dogs feel like they're in jail, too. Probably. We'll never know. You like how I uh, equated, like, employees to dogs right away? (laughs) The treatment of
2: dogs and the American workforce. Can we at least get those dogs a ping pong table? (laughs) Right. They love a cafeteria.
0: (laughs) Billy Idol's 1980s remix collection, Vital Idol, is set to be reissued on CD and digital. Idol's Revitalized will arrive September 28th. A 2LP 180-gram vinyl will follow November 16th. Both versions feature 11 new remixes of his biggest hits, including White Wedding, Eyes Without a Face, Rebel Yell, Flesh for Fantasy, Moni Moni, among others. Olivia Newton-John is fighting cancer for a third time. The 69-year-old actress and singer told an Australian show on Sunday there's a tumor at the base of her spine. But she is undergoing treatment and is determined to survive. She first battled breast cancer in 1992 and then again in 2013. Cloudy, 70 for the high today. It's 60 at DVE. It is
1: the DVE Morning Show. All right, talking NFL with our weekly Zebra Talk with Gene Sterator, former NFL referee, who was featured on the broadcast. Yeah, he was. Sunday. And, of course, uh, a couple of things to ask him about that Steelers-Browns game and other games around the league. Also, Cam Hayward with his weekly segment, Carry On Our Hayward Son, 845. <laughs> and uh, Billy Gardell coming up at 9 o'clock today as well. Reminding you, Steelers Chiefs this Sunday, the home opener for the Steelers. Well, I hope the uh, the weather has already moved past us at that point. Yeah, me too. Um, but... You can uh, hear all of that action starting at 9 a.m. We get the uh, pregame going four hours before kickoff, a one o'clock kickoff here on your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. Uh, Also, we'll tell you about the latest in the trends of recognizing turnovers in college football, a coach who rewards his players for pancake blocks with syrup. There's some users in the news action. The return of the uh, Pittsburgh Kings today, the Pittsburgh Water Park Kings, And uh, Mike Pursuta with your sports each and every hour. The Allman Brothers get us going. It's the DVE Morning Show. It is the DVE Morning Show. The Clarks with the very poignant Hey You there on 9-11. We remember uh, those we lost, all the heroes. Val always does a great job of really putting us right back in that place in that day It was, for our generation, the where were you when Kennedy was shot moment.
5: Oh,
0: yeah.
1: uh, And then some. I
0: I looked at some of the major news websites this morning, and I think because, like you said, we lived through it, I'm like, how is this not the big headline on every news site today?
1: Yeah. It is kind of crazy that it has been muted to the extent that it has, but in in a way I see that as a good thing. But I was talking to Bill about it last night, and everybody has, I think, this compulsion to tell the story of where they were Mm -hmm. even when they were nowhere near new york you know like it's just for some reason cathartic for people to be like i was in my car or i was making breakfast national tragedy yeah and Mm -hmm. and and people really like to tell you what they were doing when they found out about it and
0: it was a tuesday morning
1: yeah um it's tough man it's tough to I, i mean it's a feeling that, uh, if you were old enough to remember, which is hard to even I know, say yeah. old enough to remember, but if you were, no, but that's real 17 years ago, if you were old enough to remember, um, what it was like, it Damn, was, uh, was a college? feeling like, uh, we, we had been coddled for a long, long time and never even considered that we'd have to contend with something that big. And when it was presented, it's, it was so unthinkable and still is to this day. Uh, and I think that was the tough thing about it, that it was, nothing was ever going to be the same ever again. And it hasn't been.
0: Nope. I, I, this more, I don't know why, I don't know if I do this every year. I don't remember doing it in the past, but when I was getting ready for work this morning, I thought, wow, it, right about the same time, those people who were on those planes were probably getting ready to, were at home showering, getting dressed, packing, yeah, whatever.
2: Right. Going oh.
0: through those same motions.
2: I remember just like an overwhelming sense of fear. That was the first time that I ever felt like I didn't know what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. And I had never felt that before. I was a college kid and I was like, everything was just fun. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Like what, are there other planes out there? You know, just the confusion of the day.
0: My neighbors had a little boy and every time for, I don't know how long, every time he saw a plane in the sky, he got scared.
1: Well, today we'll do our best to toe the line between remembering uh, 9-11 and, uh, you know, giving you a bit of a diversion at the same time. But Mm -hmm. Mike will have a full sports report when we come back. As I uh, said earlier, Cam Hayward on the show today, 845, former NFL referee Gene Steratore, 815 with his weekly segment, and the one and only Billy Gardell at 9 o'clock. DVE Sports. Mike, pursued
3: with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike before we get there just uh an observation or two about 911 if i may uh for years in the immediate aftermath usually when i go to new york i stay in jersey city a lot of times and you take the path train in to manhattan mm-hmm. and the train was running while they were repairing and preparing the whole you know to do what they did with it next and you would take that train into the station and the devastation was all around and it was cut off to the public by a chain-link fence and you could look right into it. Right. And for years, maybe they still do this, I haven't been on that path in a while, but people would attach notes or photos to the fence, Dad, I miss you, you know. Or even looking for a missing person. Mom, we love you, we're looking for a missing person. And uh, now it has uh, been turned into a memorial park and a museum, and the the park is spectacular. It you really went is. to the museum, it's didn't you? Moving. Yeah. And the museum, uh, one of the exhibits, is video footage of people jumping out of windows so they won't burn to death. And there's a sign in front of that before you go in that says, "If you're squeamish, oh yeah, or if you have a bad a weak heart, don't do this." And that that just the first time I did that. For about twenty minutes, I had to sit down and just collect myself. It was, yeah, paralyzing. When
1: you go to the museum, you have to plan for you know as a tourist. Do not plan on doing anything else that day. Uh, if you do it early in the morning, plan things that are like contemplative walks through the park, whatever, right. because you are completely unable to enjoy or.
3: Think about, uh, anything, think about else. anything else. You, it's going to knock the wind out of you. It takes yeah. it right out of you. And uh, the, the and I think it's, I highly recommend it, but oh, I think it's necessary. To your point, but, yeah, it's not.
0: I have to go to, to New York City in October, and I, I'm hoping that I have time to, to go.
2: It's so powerful. There's the one footprints of the buildings, that. Oh, yeah. those infinity pools. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what really knocked me over.
1: The, uh, the room where you go in and you hear the calls. They have recording of people, like the answering machine messages. There's another room where they just have the names of all the people that died. All of their work IDs from the World Trade Center are posted on the wall.
3: And And, there's one column left, an an original, yeah, part of the original structure, and they have stuff attached to that that tells stories of victims. And the one that got me was there was a chaplain who was administering last rites someone and he got killed by flying debris mm-hmm. oh there were tons of first responders yeah. that we lost in that too yeah it's... I remember reading that and thinking really that's one it's... of the
2: most heartbreaking and fascinating piece of writing I've ever seen about 9-11 is the one in Esquire it's called The Falling Man an unforgettable story and it's about a photographer who took this unbelievable picture of the guy that was upside down but had this like tranquil look on his face that became an iconic photo from that day and just trying to find out like who was that guy highly recommended it's it's again
3: it's a you know an emotional thing to read and if you're going to do that and you know you're going to new york maybe uh get online and uh plan ahead because it's a lot of people do oh yeah it's packed yeah might want to schedule that and buy your tickets and that kind of stuff in advance
2: I went right when it first opened. I just happened to be there and, and was able to go.
3: Is the museum on the... Sa-
2: it's on right site. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's in the Freedom Tower. Because when I went, it wasn't even
3: open yet. Like, they were still working on it. Yeah, it's pretty amazing, but like you said, it's not... Uh, you're not going to go drink a bunch of beers after that. No, <laughs> no, no. You're not going to go to a ball game
1: and have a, have a blast yeah. after that.
2: Hey, let's go to Times Square. i got to go to the M&M store. Well, mm.
1: we do have uh, 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 other stuff to... to uh, To take our minds off of that today, Yeah, at the same time,
3: we're going to be remembering it. I heard you guys talking about that before the break, so I just wanted to chime in. Uh, News from the NFL yesterday regarding the Steelers' 21-21 tie in Cleveland Sports This Hour, brought to you by Xfinity from Comcast. Al Riveron, everybody's favorite NFL senior vice president in charge of officiating, uh, said after further review that the uh, roughing the passer penalty assessed to Miles Garrett one play before James Conner opened the scoring with a seven-yard Excuse me. With a four-yard touchdown run, should not have been a roughing the passer penalty. That okay. was uh, that was immediately in the aftermath of a third down completion. So the Steelers would have kicked a field goal, presumably, and had a three-nothing lead instead of a seven-nothing lead. Uh, the issue is uh, weight uh, of the body on the quarterback of of the uh, the defending player on the quarterback. According to Riveron, quote. The rule specifically says most, if not all, of your body weight is not allowed to fall on the quarterback. And I don't know
1: how the hell these guys are supposed to determine. <laughs> seems pretty yeah.
2: subjective.
3: <laughs> well, let's see. He's 315, and he, he was uh, covering 38% of his body. So Yeah, that's just... Carry that's the two ben, and- did
2: it feel like most of them?
3: Ah. <laughs> 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 that sounds bad. <laughs> it, I, I mean,
1: it, it is really a poorly worded rule.
3: Hard on those guys to have to make that call.
1: Really open to interpretation. So, uh, it, so how did he make the wrong call?
3: Well, it, that the interesting part of that one was it was a zone blitz. It was a three man rush, and Garrett actually dropped in his zone coverage, and he was covering the middle. He actually had Juju Smith Schuster on a shallow cross, and then when Ben flushed left, he he made a beeline for him, and it wasn't. He got there just a hair late. I didn't think it was a late hit. No. Uh, the pass ended up going to the corner of the end zone and being incomplete, but they threw the flag. Browns weren't happy about it at the time. Fans weren't happy about it at the time. Turns out they were right.
1: Okay. Well, we'll talk to Gene Steratore about that at 15 one of many uh, zebra blunders over the weekend.
3: Although it continues uh, what I saw in the preseason. I saw the first week. I'm not seeing 12 linear posture helmet violations a game. You know, the lowering the head thing. Everybody was going crazy about that when they first announced it. And it it has not reinvented the wheel, so to speak, has it? No. Well, no,
2: like, but are other penalties up? Like, it
3: just seems like, you know, that, that opening game, it was – There are more, yeah. Flag central. Seems like it's uh, in the neighborhood of the 20s uh, every game. But so far, so good in terms of at least football being played uh, as we recall football having always been played – uh, the Monday night doubleheader last night in the late game. Uh, John Gruden and the Raiders beaten by the Rams 33-13. to That made it a perfect 0-7 for 7 yeah. for the new coaches. Uh, tough, Pat, tough week one. Pat Shermer of the Giants, uh, Matt Nagy of the Bears, Steve Wilkes of the Cardinals, Frank Reich of the Colts, Matt Patricia of the Lions, and Mike Vrabel of the Titans all beaten, as well as Gruden. The uh, Lions lost in the early game last night. 48-17 to 17 at Ford Field to Ooh. the New York Jets. Five INTs for the Jets. <laughs> and uh, linebacker Darren Lee said uh, of Lions quarterback Matt Stafford, quote, we knew his signals. We knew everything. No, they weren't uh, doing the Patriots thing. It was, uh, quote, preparation is a defense. Jets said they just picked up a bunch of stuff in their film study. Wow. They knew the tendencies. They knew the trends. And I then, uh, figured
1: he, you know, he got injured early in that game, and I thought that that must have been why he was yeah. struggling so much. He just much.
3: stunk. Yeah, well, how about that? And uh, <laughs> Sam Darnold of the Jets threw a pick six on his first pass and wound up having a big night anyway. Ben should send Stafford a flower
2: basket. He's like, thanks, buddy. Thanks for taking the heat off me for a minute.
1: Wow, bad. that was a stinker. Patricia Owen uh, one to start his uh, tenure there. Yep. And uh Gruden. Not exactly an auspicious debut. Although the Marshawn Lynch touchdown was oh, beast mode, classic beast mode, dragging every player on the field with him into the end zone. Yeah, it looks like I think Ch- one of the refs jumped on that
3: scrum. Looks like Chucky wants to play a little Powerball in Oakland might not be the uh, climate where that's going to necessarily <laughs> get you where you want to go. No. But, uh we shall see. Pirates blew one in St. Louis last night. Uh, they were up six uh, four, going to the bottom of the eighth. And a four-run Cardinals eighth, including a three-run home run by Matt Adams off Edgar Santana, helps propel St. Louis to an eight-seven victory. Bucks fall back under five hundred at seventy-one and seventy-two. It's significant because Trevor Williams started; he had allowed four runs in his last fifty-four and two-thirds innings. Shut out St. Louis for three, then allowed four runs in the fourth. So I guess Trevor Williams is human. Joe Musgrove uh, gets the ball for the Bucks tonight. He must. Thanks, Mike. Val's got news top of the hour.
0: Uh, we'll continue to remember today's nine eleven anniversary, and we'll also talk about how uh, technology continues to put people out of work.
1: The aforementioned Gene territory. 8-15 this morning. Uh, zebra talk with uh, with Gene, who was a part of the CBS broadcast crew during that Steelers-Browns game. Yeah, he's uh, their guy. He is the CBS guy. Everybody's got to have a guy now. He's their guy. He's, co- our, co- guy, co- co- he's co- our guy, too. He's our guy. Yeah, every week. Well, you got to
3: have it. I mean... Gotta have a guy who can figure this stuff out.
1: Not I. You gotta, you gotta have a zebra, right? Right. We got one. Also, uh, Billy Gardell be in the nine o'clock hour, as he always is on Tuesdays. He's and our guy. Carry on, our Hayward son, Cam Hayward. Eight forty-five. Sponsored by Dawn's Appliances. Mm-hmm. Randy Bauman in the DVE morning show. You know, Val, I've often talked about how uh, my dad used to buy like dumpster debbies yeah the like little debbies that had passed their expiration date my dad knew the guy that at the grocery store who'd throw them out and so he'd just buy all the expired ones for he us he
0: was an early freegan
1: my dad He was
0: ahead of the game
1: except he was buying them yeah he bought oh, he also used to buy these pies remember the hostess pies yeah oh, well yeah, there really were good. a couple different generic brands mm-hmm. of those so of we we used to get the generic ones And he would load up his trunk. You know, he'd come home sometimes and be like, hey, the trunk's full of pies. Put them in the freezer. You'd have to put all the pies in the (laughs) freezer.
2: Who was his dealer? Who was selling these expired pies? I don't
1: know. But it wasn't just that. I mean, there were always things that he was buying like that, food that fell off a truck type stuff, okay, all the time, which is why this story doesn't surprise me. And some people are uh, kind of shocked to learn that there is a food black market out there. In Maine, a guy named Matthew Belarus owned uh, 20% of a company called Sea Salt. And one of the items they sold was lobsters. Well, Matthew was secretly stealing lobsters. He set up a fake client and pretended he was shipping there, but really he was pocketing the lobsters to sell because there's a lobster black market. And this whole story goes on <laughs> to describe the lobster black market. And it's all that, you know, the author is incredulous. Can't believe there's a lobster black market. Me, I'm like, yeah. What do you need?
0: <laughs> would you buy a lobster out of a trunk?
1: My dad never would buy <laughs> seafood. Probably, because
2: <laughs> it has a protective shell it's on it. It's frozen. It's like hard as a but rock. how much cheaper can it be?
1: Way cheaper. He Way cheaper? embezzled $1.5 million worth of lobsters before the owners caught him. All right, so he probably- He, he was a
0: part owner, though. 20%
1: and he was probably selling them for, you know, half that. So he probably made 750 grand.
0: See, I'm not smart enough to be a criminal. I how did he if he's selling them for less than what the company sold them for, how was he paying the bills of the fake company?
1: Well, apparently he wasn't. They
0: just default on their bills.
1: Yeah, I don't know how how he yeah, tried see, I'm to not, make up for I'm not smart the lack of revenue for the inventory that, that was missing.
2: Val, what's wrong with you? You don't have a criminal mind.
1: (laughs) The point I'm getting to is there is a black market for food, and I have known this for a long time, but my dad wasn't really like, it wasn't like Goodfellas, like, no, go to the next door. No, one more (laughs) down. No, there's some suits. It wasn't quite like that. There's little Debbie's in there. There was just always, I don't know. I had every Wednesday night before football games in the fall, I had a bedding sheet next to, because we had to make our lunches. (laughs) So, we had to fill out our
2: bets for the week,
5: oh and you my. picked three
2: teams. You were raised by Robert De Niro in Casino, and we all were. I just telling just, everybody who to bet on. Know, who? That's just how it always
1: was, and like stuff like this constantly. And I would be like, ah, uh, I we got a, I got two turkeys in the freezer. Like, you, <laughs> I got like,
5: two
0: what?
1: turkeys. You know the carpet story just had what the guy like, had somebody
0: know. traded carpet for turkeys.
1: Dude, my braces were traded for carpet for my braces when I was a kid. Great deal. Except the orthodontist sucked, and he <laughs> totally screwed up my teeth. And he like moved around. He didn't know what he was doing.
0: He made them crooked. Moved them instead it, of straight.
1: Right? Yeah, exactly. They were fine. Let me pull mm-hmm. these together a little no, closer. he moved them too close or, or too too fast. Like they're not supposed to move around your mouth it's that quickly. Oh. It's a slow process. Supposed to be slow. So he he yanked them around too quick, and it blunted all the roots. It like screwed, Oh my god. Yeah, it screwed me up. Um, But, you know, when I told my dad that, like, hey, just to let you know, I went to a real dentist and he said, that guy stinks. And he's like, well, that's BS. I gave him about 200 yards of carpet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, <he> traded <laughs> it out. That's why this story does not. I'll have him install it crooked. This, this uh, <laughs> <the> guy, <laughs> guy. We'll guy, show him. Um, he just used some, uh, you know, some hardwood laminate on my <laughs> clear braces. But that story in this one. I, I am I'm not surprised by either of these and I'm shocked that uh, that other people are. Um yes, there's a black market for food, and in a related story, a woman who worked a giant eagle in a nearby town in Ohio, I think it's is it Boulevard, Ohio? Uh thirty six year old Catherine Brennick worked at a giant eagle. She worked in the deli. What do you think the best thing about working in the deli would be?
2: Taking home
0: the meats. ends. Yeah, you get to take home the ends, the butt end.
1: Well, apparently she was doing a little bit more than that. Catherine shaved off a little meat for herself every day. She's skimming off the top. Approximately three to five slices per day from the Giant Eagle Deli. She mostly went for ham. She was a sucker for the ham. She went ham. But sometimes she'd get salami, too. Uh, so somebody tipped off one of the supervisors, and they started watching her, and they came up with this figure. A few slices of lunch meat a day over five years, they calculated she'd embezzled $9,200 worth of ham. <laughs> wow. Ham embezzling. She's a ham embezzler. <laughs> so they fired her and reported her into the police. That's
2: such BS. She's a chip off the old ham.
0: She was stealing a sandwich every day. Two sandwiches.
2: I don't know. Did, There's no way she it just was just be like, selling stop them. eating the meat? Yes. <laughs>
0: That's a lot. How long did she do it?
2: Five years. Stop That's a long skimming time. skimming the ham. What's wrong with you? I mean, don't you assume that
0: everybody skims the ham there? No, I don't.
2: Dude, I'd be a ham skimmer.
0: They'll give you a sample if you ask for one.
2: Then why can't Catherine have one? Busting her ass because she, she's
0: having a way more than a sample.
2: She's an employee. She knows what it tastes like. <laughs> Imagine if you worked with her. I'll How taste it, it
0: if you taste it. How About what? Yeah, she,
1: you ask for a sample and she like gives you one and takes with herself. Right. And does like the dog dangle above <laughs> her mouth.
5: <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: This one's a good one, oh, sweetie. If you worked with her, that would be annoying. If every time you're like, "Hey, Catherine, can you?" and then you look over and she's going.
2: So that was just for personal consumption. Like she wasn't flipping that. She hand. wasn't
1: trying to sell it to my
2: dad. <laughs>
1: but how if much it,
2: do you have today? Uh, I just have a pinch, a pinch of ham.
1: I would. That's all I have. I wouldn't be surprised if one of the, those days when I was a kid, my dad came home and said, "There's a trunk full of ham. Put it in the fridge. Go get it." Why we do have I two, feel like your dad was days, just we have two days to eat ten pounds of ham
0: <laughs> I just, I would take that deal.
2: <laughs> I feel like your dad was basically just getting food for your lunches. Am I wrong on this? Was uh, was that like it was mainly like snacks and stuff? Yeah, there wouldn't be like bur there wouldn't
1: be like burgers and stuff like that too often. Uh, i except when he discovered the Bubba Burger thing, then then
0: is that um, the, the frozen burgers? Burger? Yeah. I just had those.
2: They're good. I've never They had are. Them. My in- in-laws
0: gave us some because, you know, we're living in a camper. Yeah. but <laughs> Down by the river? Right. They are good.
1: Yeah. No, those are good. But there, were, there was just certain... There were certain foods, and yeah, it was mostly like the lunches. To, he, want, he just wanted to take care Snack of the lunches. Snack cakes. That was his one thing. It's like dinner, you, you, it was FFY, fend for yourself always. Like literally would say it on the fridge, FFY. Every night? Just about. I mean, like, oh. there was like- Did your
0: older siblings cook ever?
2: No, they were gone. Oh, okay. There was a sign on all your doors, put yourselves to bed. <laughs> Read yourself a bedtime story. Well, he'd work till seven o'clock, and then go get a beer with his
1: brothers, and you know. Then by the time he got home, you know, we were we'd already in eaten bed. Wow, well, we weren't in bed, but we were raising hell probably. But he was like, ah, there's there's Denny Moore, and there's Tony's Pizzas, Denny Moore's stew. Hell yeah, and it raised us. And don't think he didn't get a few of those pizzas too. There, you know those Totinos. You know the not like when they yeah. got sure. further down the line, near the generic ones. We had a bunch of those too.
0: Is that the kind that they chopped the pepperoni up in little squares? Yes, oh, that wasn't too bad. Tony's pepperoni. still the best frozen. But. Yeah,
1: Tony's was like a uh, gourmet pizza mm-hmm. back then. That was like well, well the real not gourmet better than this
0: is the Stouffer's French bread. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's real gourmet. That is special stuff frozen right pizza. there.
1: So if I was going to steal anything from a company. It would be Stouffer's. Stouffer's French bread. That's why I can't work at Giant Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I would steal ham all the time if I was in the deli. I would be the hammiest stealing <laughs> employee they had.
0: Hammy! <laughs> Randy gets that reference.
2: Uh, on the way for Amy you. Bauman and the DVE Mooning Show. Gene Sarator will be on. Was that
0: a Laverne Did and Shirley reference? No, Pee-wee Herman. Oh, that's right. Herma yeah, Pee-wee Show. All right, okay. Hammy lived I next for- door. I forgot
1: about that cam hayward will be on the show a little bit later on this morning ham hayward
0: <laughs>
1: it's Ham Hayward. ham tuesday <laughs> it's an all ham billy gardell what kind of ham do you go for if you go to the deli are you a ham guy ham? yeah sure chipped ham
0: do you uh no you, yeah, but you gotta eat. i don't know i don't i like my ham chipped ham. ham that much
1: no no mm. i usually just honey eat
0: baked
1: yeah i like a maple only I'll, I'll go for the maple ham one
0: a, a black forest ham.
1: That's the one. That's the jam. What is,
0: what is that? What is the flavor? It comes of
2: that? from the black forest. <laughs> the pigs really? eat in the black
1: forest. <laughs> Dude, how much would Debbie steal from Giant Eagle? Are you kidding me? So much. We made you Jewish meat. Uh, all right, all of that coming up for you here. Plus, you uh, can't
2: take that ham with you, lay <laughs> <beyond. laughs>
1: the Pittsburgh Water Park Kings uh, coming up for you, DV. Kaz, Kaz Aldrich, Kaz Aldrich, Kazie Zeller, Kaz Lightyear. What? Uh, wait, the ham loaf ham never
0: life. had. You never had ham uh, loaf? No, really I will make, make you some ham loaf. What about the onion
2: loaves that they used to what? sell at Damon's? Onion oh, loaf. That's bread. <laughs> can,
7: I, can we get
0: the <laughs> onion loaf? Look at this picture of olive. I'll oh,
2: have some of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's the Looks ol- like bad skin. Olive loaf
1: looks like. Olive loaf. Oh,
0: oh
4: that just looks you like you got to go to the dermatologist. Yeah, <laughs> that looks like
0: something. They go, well, we
7: took it off, but you're going to have to
1: come back in
7: five weeks. With, <laughs> use this cream until we see you
1: again. It looks like the sidewalk on Carson Street after a Saturday night.
5: Randy Bellman
3: and the DVE Morning Show.
1: Billy Gardell will be on the show later this morning, and uh, we also have Cam Hayward coming on at 8.45. Uh, Gene Steratore, former NFL referee, 8.15 this morning. Michael, have your sports and Val with news at the top of every hour this morning. And uh, today, of course, a special day of remembrance.
0: Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Weather center 11. It's 60 degrees now at DVE.
4: Just witnessed an airplane crash into the World Trade Center. Say what? The plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center. Uh oh. Second explosion in number two World Trade Center on the upper floors. Number two World Trade Center explosion on the upper floors just witnessed an airplane crash into the World Trade Center.
6: You were being told a second plane, a second plane crashed into the building on the opposite end. Oh, that's not an accident, that's on purpose. Okay, we're trying to recoup,
4: we lost all units here in this area. All units are deadlocked, all the equipment is destroyed. Uh, I have several injured members in the service
8: and uh, I'll get back to you.
4: There has been a second explosion in building number two. I don't know if it's an explosion or if it's a aircraft that actually hit the building. That actually hit
0: the building. Now, I don't care how far we get out from from that day. That that audio is still chilling. 17 years ago today, terrorists hijacked four U.S. jetliners and crashed them, killing nearly 3,000 people. And shaking the entire nation, two of the aircraft hit the World Trade Center's twin towers in New York City, causing them to burn and collapse. Another jet slammed into the Pentagon, the fourth United Airlines Flight 93, en route from New York to San Francisco, carrying 38 passengers and seven crew. Uh, That literally and figuratively hit close to home, crashing in a field in Shanksville after passengers struggled with armed uh, hijackers to regain control of that aircraft. Then at 9.50 a.m., the 110-story South Tower of the World Trade Center collapsed. Less than 40 minutes later, the Trade Center's North Tower crumbled onto itself. And for the next few months, the dead would be counted in two states as well as the D.C. area. Nearly 3,000 would die, including passengers and crew on all four hijacked airliners. Dozens of New York City police officers and rescue workers would perish. But the largest single death toll was felt by the New York City Fire Department, losing 343 members of that department. And New York City will be marking the anniversary of the attack. Several events going on there today. The September 11th Memorial and Museum will hold its annual ceremony on the 9-11 Memorial Plaza at the World Trade Center site and will remember the nearly 3,000 people who died. Houses of worship in the city will toll their bells in conjunction with the first moment of silence at 8.46 a.m., the time when the first plane hit later in the day. The Port Authority will hold their annual remembrance service. That will be at 2 p.m today to remember the 84 employees who died. And President Bush spoke on that day to the nation. He spoke that evening.
6: Make no mistake, the United States will hunt down and punish those responsible for these cowardly acts.
0: Officials think a landslide could be to blame for a pipeline explosion in center township Beaver County that leveled a home and displaced more than 30 people. It happened yesterday morning along Ivy Lane and Pine Street. Officials say there are no injuries and evacuees were eventually able to return home. A new study says millions of older Americans are getting addicted to anti-anxiety drugs prescribed for depression, anxiety, and sleep problems. Researchers at the University of Michigan found one in for older adults who are prescribed drugs like Xanax and Valium never stop taking them. About 9% of the nearly 50 million Americans age 65 or older get prescriptions for this class of drugs that's more than any other age group. Researchers say white patients four times more likely than other racial groups to become addicted to the drugs that are recommended for short-term treatment.
1: I talk to a lot of people who take Ativan to go to sleep and I'm like, I don't think you should... Be taking Ativan every day to go to sleep.
0: Yeah, I don't. It's, no. I don't think it's intended for that purpose.
1: A lot. No. I think. It's, I think that uh, doctors just prescribe stuff now because they th- feel like, oh, well, this is going to make my patient happy, and they'll they'll go away, and
0: Maybe, they'll, yeah. they'll stay
1: with me, and whatever.
0: How much time a day do you spend being bored?
1: None.
5: Not, yeah, not I, a lot. I,
0: <laughs> that's what I thought, but. The average person, uh, according to this study, spends two hours a day feeling bored. That's five years out of your life.
2: God, when I don't have anything to do, it's like, oh man, I get to be bored?
0: Yeah. This is wonderful. I get like to Like a Saturday out. afternoon
1: when you get to just be mindless? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome.
0: According to those surveyed, boredom peaks about one ten p.m. on an average day. 23% say they're most likely to be bored at work.
1: <laughs> well, I could see that. I mean, a lot of people have boring, you know, jobs, maybe not their life's work, but just something they're doing at the moment. It's just maybe, mindless. Yeah.
0: 33% said boredom hits as soon as they get home. 25% believe life is more boring now than when they were young. 53% are afraid life is just passing them by. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's boredom necessarily, but sixty percent dread. Wish they use their free time in a more fulfilling way. Forty-seven percent said they often feel like they've wasted their weekends by not doing anything special.
2: I mean, I've said this a thousand times on this show, but my kids have an inability to be bored, and it really upsets me. <laughs> I'm like, you know, every single hour of your day is not meant for some sort of entertainment. Sometimes you're just sitting in a silent room and (laughs) being being quiet. By yourself. Right. I'm I'm not your booker. (laughs) I mean, I've got something coming up in the afternoon, and that's all I can tell you.
1: Do you remember, like, going out by yourself with no
2: friends were around, and you'd get on your bike and yeah. just go do stuff? Yep. Yes. Do kids still do that? Yeah. I mean, like, we, we got our uh, our playhouse from our old house in Greenfield brought out to the new house, and, like, the girls will just go out there and play in that thing, which is awesome. Yeah. And just kind of be, like... They have know, each other. That, that's yeah. good, yeah. And, and just... Like, play in the driveway and, you know, be on your scooter or your bike. It's fun. You don't have to, you know. I I
1: usually had one or two siblings around to play, like, either play hoops or play, like, you know. We'd create a home run derby. We had, like, a soccer version of home run derby. Like, there was a bunch of different things we could do. But if you, you on the rare occasion, you were by yourself, I don't know. I used to I hate, hate going up to your parents and saying, "Like I'm though. bored." They'd be like, "Oh, really? <laughs> I got lots for you to do." And you're like,
2: "All right, well, I'm <laughs> right, out of here." Yeah, never mind. Not bored. Not bored. Right? Because yeah, it's, a parent hears that, <laughs> you just want to say, "Okay, I'm going to put you to work." Yep. Techno- my, my brother, I hated playing basketball or Sega Genesis or anything with him because he was so competitive, and if he lost, he would like punch a hole in the garage. <sighs> Are like rip so. The this is a thing out. for your family. Oh yeah, <laughs> anger. Yeah, we have anger issues. <laughs> some of it's I'd overt, some of it's suppressed.
0: Cannot ever forget the story you told. I think you were putting together a Christmas present or something, and you it wasn't going right, so you just started smashing it.
2: Oh yeah, no, that was <laughs> 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 that was an Easter basket. Uh, <laughs> I stomped it to pieces. <laughs> That's so awesome.
0: Sometimes uh, I think of that when I'm trying not to cry. I, I was.
2: <laughs> I'm telling you, it is. I highly recommend it because it takes a long time to trash an, an oh, entire yeah, Easter basket. To turn an Easter basket what into confetti. You what was the thing that said? I can't remember now, but it was.
0: I swear you were trying to put a toy or something together, or like a a house, a, some big.
2: Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, okay, so I've done that a couple
0: times.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those things. I mean, I'm already sweating and have five cuts just getting the thing out of the box. Because now every kid's toy is secured in a way that's, you know, like the border wall.
0: <laughs> to to get the
2: toy out of the box and then you got to put it together and they always have like those little tiny allen wrenches and your <laughs> hands are sweating and
0: Uh finally rapper Mac Miller will be remembered at a public vigil today here in Pittsburgh it'll be held at the Blue Slide Park which Miller named his 2011 album after attendees are encouraged to share stories of how the rapper impacted their lives and create drawings and murals in remembrance thousands of people are expected to show up Uh, he died from an apparent drug overdose at his california home on friday he was 26 i'll
2: be going to that and i really can't imagine how crazy that's going to be because that's not a huge park i mean it is it goes back into the woods but the actual park where the blue slide is, I can't imagine yeah. thousands That's of people. That's your neighborhood, man. Yeah.
0: Forecast today, cloudy 70 for the high at 60. Now a DVE.
1: So 10 days after 9-11 occurred, America, a tribute to heroes, was broadcast on all four networks, Fox, ABC, NBC, and CBS, all broadcast the same, what amounted to be a telethon. George Clooney organized all of the celebrities to perform and um, it was star studded at the actors mm-hmm. uh-huh. that showed up to work the phones like Tom Hanks, George Clooney, Will Smith, Muhammad Ali, Kelsey Grammer, Jim Carrey, Cameron Diaz, Robin Williams, Dennis Franz, Jimmy Smith, Calista Flockhart, Amy Brenneman, Conan O'Brien, Sarah Jessica Parker, Tom Cruise, Ray Romano, Jeff Goldblum, Lucy Liu, Celia Ward, Jane Kasmerick, Julie Roberts, Chris Rock, Robert De Niro, and Clint Eastwood. And the musical performers, Willie Nelson, accompanied by the entire Los Angeles-based ensemble doing America the Beautiful, Celine Dion did God Bless America, Paul Simon did Bridge Over Troubled Waters, Eddie Vedder and Mike McCready from Pearl Jam sat in with Neil Young on Long Road, Uh, Sting played Fragile, Sheryl Crow played Safe and Sound, John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora played Living on a Prayer, Mariah Carey sang Hero. Wyclef uh, and uh, um, members of the Whalers played Redemption Song Dave Matthews performed Every Day, the Dixie Chicks performed I Believe in Love, Billy Joel performed New York State of Mind the Goo Goo Dolls with Fred Durst and Wes Borland from Limp Bizkit did Wish You Were Here Alicia Keys did Donny Hathaway's Someday We'll All Be Free Neil Young memorably did Imagine Enrique Iglesias performed Hero, which had just been released as his new single. Tom Petty did I Won't Back Down with the Heartbreakers, which was just incredible. Uh, Faith Hill sang There Will Come a Day. You 2 performed with Dave Stewart and Nat- Natalie Imbruglia. They did Peace on Earth. Stevie Wonder performed with Take Six. Love's in Need of Love today. And uh, Bruce Springsteen did this. DVE Sports. Mike, pursue with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike,
3: Sports this hour brought to you by Hovish Truck and Auto Supply. Week one in the NFL is in the books after the annual Monday night doubleheader to open the season. Boy, I like that early game on Monday night. Do you? I do. Gotta get up early the next day. Wasn't yeah. a great game though. No, but I just I like it it starts a little earlier and it gets done a little earlier. Didn't didn't watch the Raiders.
1: Raiders got going a little bit late, but uh, the, I watched the era, beginning of it off to an inauspicious debut.
3: Yeah, uh, not good for Chucky in uh, his return to the black hole 33 to 13 the Rams over the Raiders, and uh, prior to that it was the Jets invading Ford Field and taking it over 48 to seventeen over the Lions. I did see at the end of that game there were a bunch of Jets fans there, including Fireman Ed. I thought he retired. Their uh, mask, unofficial fan mascot guy. And all the Lions fans had left by the fourth quarter, so all the Jets fans went down behind the Jets bench, and they were doing the J-E-T-S thing incessantly. And all the players were turning around and pointing at them and waving, and the Jets were just having a party in Detroit last night. I wonder if the team flies Fireman Ed there. I, I would doubt that. I wonder it if ABC does. Probably takes his or ESPN. Uh, a fire truck there, right? Well, he's just got nothing better to do. I don't know. Didn't we learn? Wasn't,
2: didn't... I swear he retired, like, from being that fan. Because didn't we
1: find out, like, some not-so-great details about that dude at one point?
3: There was some type of controversial revelation. I can't remember I'll the find specifics. It. It's like everything. Apparently like, he's back, because he had the hat wow, on and, wow. you know... He was doing the. He's like, wow, we're celebrating all
2: kinds of other despicable characters. Why can't I come back? Yeah, is it him or is it his brother? Is this
3: like a Gallagher Two situation where he just gave the hat to his brother? No, it looked like him from what I remember. Not that I've studied Fireman Ed over the years, but he's he's hard to avoid. Jets said that they had uh, Matt Stafford signals, and they said they had them because of their incredibly thorough video review prior to the game. They were getting the. Uh, Tendencies and trends and uh, all the particulars down watching the film. In In 2012,
1: Fireman Ed left the game before halftime of the butt fumble game, stating he would never cheer at Jet Games as Fireman Ed again, and then he came back in 2015. How
3: did we survive? He didn't miss much. Though why he did, why
2: did he feel responsible for the butt
3: fumble? I, I don't. Know. I think he was just fed I think up. he was just fed up with yeah. them pretty much being crappy since Joe Namath left. But <laughs> 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 they got a new guy, Sam Darnold of USC. Pick six on his first pass, and then he was just... He looked really good. He looked great. He, he was on... After it, the he, pick six. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he was making quick reads. He was decisive. He was throwing the ball aggressively. Looked like he was born to do this for one game. So, good for him. Uh... Al Riveron, the vice president of officiating, uh, talked about some calls that were made uh, over the weekend, uh, whether they were the correct call or not. One of the ones that the uh, referees and officials got wrong was the roughing the passer call against the Browns' Miles Garrett in that 21 21 tie with the Steelers on Sunday. Garrett uh, came down kind of sort of on Ben Roethlisberger. He was called for roughing the passer. Uh, Riveron explained it, quote, the rule specifically says most, if not all, of your body weight cannot land on the quarterback, otherwise it's a penalty. And uh, after further review, they said, quote, even though there was some body weight on Ben, this is not what we would consider contact that rises to the level of a foul. So Miles Garrett had an even better game than we already thought he had. Right. He did. Although he was the guy who got the illegal block penalty, on the Joe Schobert catch the fumble out of the air and run it back inside the ten yard line. That's right. And the Browns would have
2: pouncy from the back. The Browns would have
3: been a whole lot closer for that uh would, would be <laughs> game winning field goal that they ended up having blocked by TJ Watt. So you win some, you lose some if you're Miles Garrett. But he's he's a monster player. For and- a long time
1: to come, man, he's gonna be a Thorn and Ben side here. For
3: the remainder of Ben's career, basically. Oh, no question, yeah. yeah. Ben's going to have to play a long time to outlast him. <laughs> uh, another uh, interesting element of that 21-21 tie was Tyrod Taylor's ability to periodically escape the pocket and hurt the Steelers with his legs, which uh, most people figured that's something he could do coming in. Uh, what I had always heard about Tyrod Taylor and what I had heard specifically last week before the game was that the way to defend him is, A, don't let him run the ball well, because if if his team is running the ball well, he can use play action, and if he can use play action, he can get outside the pocket and throw those short, quick passes to uh, that are relatively high percentage plays and kind of chip away, chip away, chip away at you, use his legs occasionally, move the chains, that kind of thing. The idea is to contain him and pressure him up the middle and make him beat you with precise passing from the pocket, which most people don't think he can do. Um, He ended up rushing eight times for 77 yards in that uh, Steelers-Browns game, part of Cleveland's 38-carry, 177-yard effort on the ground. This is uh, what Cam Hayward had to say afterward regarding how the Steelers intended to defend Taylor. We were doing some different things. We wanted him to escape, and you know we had him in down distances where we want, we
9: should have won. You know, third and thirteen, third and fifteen. You know, those are advantageous situations where we didn't get off the field.
3: Now we heard uh, Jerry Dulac reference that yesterday in our weekly visit with Jerry D. Uh, that got my attention as, as something that needed to be followed up upon uh, throughout this week. Maybe uh, Cam will shed some light on it today. Maybe he won't because they're playing the Browns again and who knows if Taylor will still be the quarterback when uh, the Steelers play the Browns again. But I would not think you'd want him to escape. Uh, No. Unless they thought, you know, get him to, to, to run out there, then they could converge as opposed to having him throw the ball. Not sure uh, what the end game was with that, but he had three Th- runs. Maybe they
2: thought he was quick and not fast, like he could get out of the pocket but not you know outrun them to the sideline. Yeah, he
3: had three runs that really hurt him. Uh 15-yard gain on third and 13 in the first quarter, a uh, 20-yard touchdown run on second and 10 in the third quarter, and uh, a 24-yarder on third and 10 in the fourth quarter. Uh, possession extending or scoreboard changing runs for Terod Taylor. Was, let me see. All right. So this week, I mean,
1: I'm a little terrified about the Chiefs coming in here. Oh, you he should be. I mean, you want to talk about the Chiefs? Yeah. I know we, we've we talked a lot about the Browns game. We're still trying to yeah. figure that out. And today will probably be the last little bit of us talking about that. Charlie Batch will be live in studio. Yeah. I was going to actually hit them hard corner. next hour. We'll talk about it next hour because yeah. if the things that the Browns were good at are our Achilles heel, we're screwed with these guys. Well, but they stink defensively.
2: Don't fall into the old trap of, oh, if we weren't good against this team, we won't be good again. We're going to get killed by this team because the Steelers play down to their opponent. We know this.
3: I'll just give you a little little tease on the Chiefs. The offense, wow. Incredible. Defense, man, is there stuff wide open all day. Okay.
1: Because Tyreek had three touchdowns, and um, uh, Mahomes looks really good. Yes, he does. Yes, he does.
3: You know how good Darnold looked last night? Mahomes looks better. <laughs> I like the Steelers. I mean, I like them too. Don't get me wrong, Bill.
1: Gene Stairtour is coming up here momentarily. We're going to talk with him about some of the uh, the zebra fails over the weekend and in rule interpretations going forward. Not a whole lot. Nothing. Egregious, right? Nothing terribly egregious. Yeah, I mean, if I was uh, a Houston Texans fan, I might not be really thrilled. About what happened. Yeah, but that's because you probably live in Texas. There's that too. Uh, Charlie Batch (laughs) live in studio. Cam Hayward, 845. We'll talk uh, to Cam about that. And uh, Billy Gardell also going to be joining us in the 9 o'clock hour here on your home of the Black and Gold com. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show on your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers 102.5 DVE. Joining us right now, you heard him on the Steelers-Browns broadcast on CBS this past Sunday. And you hear him now on DVE, courtesy of Havas Auto and Truck Supply, former NFL referee Gene Steratore. Gene, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning, Randy. Good morning, guys. My first question for you is, how did the Stripes screw the Steelers out of that punt <laughs> that clearly <laughs> hit one of the Browns and would ice
10: the game for us? Wait a minute, wait a minute, guys. Six turnovers, 150 yards of uh, penalties. And none of it would have mattered. None none of it would have mattered. mattered. (laughs) It's all about the fun. I love it. I need to pass a new rule down here in Washington like, if you're out in the morning going to the post office, no canoes without outboard motors before eight o'clock. We got a heck of a backup here at the post
5: office uh, today. A yeah. little, little wet down there.
1: Uh,
10: a little bit wet down here today, Mike. Got a four kayak backup back
1: here. <laughs> well, in, in all seriousness, take me through that. How it seemed to us clearly on TV that the the you know the ball hit a Browns player before Sean Davis oh, recovered it.
10: I love the wording, too. Seemed to us clearly. It just seemed so obvious. Plus, he flinched a little bit when the ball got near That's right. It. And yeah, it changed
1: trajectory. And I it changed know. rotation.
10: And hey, let's face it, too. And you rewound it a hundred times. It went click by click like there's the a Fruiter film. Too. That's head right. Moves, ball up.
2: That's move, right. Ball In up. the 480th it. frame. It's clear <laughs> exactly.
10: to see. It was so blatantly
1: off. His head went <laughs> back and to the left.
10: <laughs> back and to the left. The ball was right there. I could see it. I saw it clear as day. I I think with those plays, they're really difficult in replay uh, to overturn. And, and at times, I'll be really frank with you, they're tough on the field uh, because it is subtle. And, and if it did happen, it wasn't just overly egregious. The ball didn't change direction, you know, really severely. And I think what happened with that play is as the ball was going end over end back upward toward the head uh, in that reaction, you just have to remember that the rules in replay have to see something completely conclusive To overturn that, and on the field they did rule that it did not touch him, which is the first element. You know, you always remember when we go to replay, hey guys, what did they rule on the field? And then we work back from that, right? Mm -hmm. We've got a, you know, the ruling on the field is it didn't touch. Okay, show me something, not just clearly, not just appear. I have to see it. You know, we have to have that shot.
3: So we're not in. Court where preponderance of evidence is is the uh, determining factor. It's no, gotta... no,
10: no. Exactly, my circumstantial. No, I know it all smells like a duck, looks like a duck, but I've got to see it, guys. You know, it Bruce it's made got a quack comment. Exactly, VA made a comment, I think, and I, I think they cut my audio off. Probably good. It was a safety reason. He said, "Could you imagine if I were down the field on the field, Gene, and you came to tell me that it wasn't, you know, that it didn't hit him? What, what would have been the conversation after that? You know."
3: Was he a little wordy?
10: He gets a little wordy. Yeah, you know... Coach Arians, Coach Cower, for all of us in the Pittsburgh area, they they just never wore their emotions on their sleeves. You know, as an official, we never knew
5: where they were
1: coming from. <laughs> 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 Would have been so much easier. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so the,
1: another penalty in that game, the Miles Garrett uh, body weight rule. Uh, he gets a roughing for following through on a tackle on Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, and, and then the league said yesterday, uh, actually, we got that one wrong. What What's the ruling, and how is a referee supposed to determine what percentage body weight gets followed through on a tackle?
10: It's not easy. I mean, that's, that's why those officials are pretty good for the most part, uh, to be honest with you. I think on the one where Ben rolls left and, and Garrett's kind of chasing, more than anything, it may have been the initial contact being at the near below also. Uh, maybe as opposed to body weight on that where it's kind of a quarterback standing still and now that big guy who's been chasing him for two and a half hours finally gets there and, and now in the process of physics where a 350 pounder is taking you down, we, we ask him to turn or show us some type of an optic where we don't feel like his entire body landed on him. I think with that one, more, more of a low hit and, and in that regard, I think what Al was talking about was he, he felt like he had wrapped his his lower body before he drove through it. So that's another element that we have to consider when we do roughing the passer. Those hits at the knee or below, it has to be with force. If that defensive player, Aaron Donald did it last night, it was forced to the knee, to Jared Goff. And in Ben's case... They felt like Miles Garrett wrapped with his arms and did not deliver forcible blow to the knee area or below. So that's why I think he said that he would prefer that they didn't call that one.
3: Hey, Gene, could some of that have been circumstantial? Because Garrett was actually zone blitzing on that. He was playing shallow zone, and then he started chasing Roethlisberger from the middle of the field, and he covered a lot of ground. And you see that big body closing faster. You're just thinking, okay, this is going to end poorly for the quarterback.
10: Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike, a lot of what we do is, and again, you realize, you know, in real time, this is happening really, really fast. It, it, I did notice that this week, the luxury of slowing things down while I was in the studio and watching them over and over again. But yeah, you, you do know when somebody is free of an offensive player and there's nothing but air between that big D lineman or that defensive player and the quarterback. Uh, yeah, he has a brick in his hand as he's starting to close the gap. So you are looking and anticipating, you know?
1: So did the Carlos Dunlap hit on Andrew Luck. Now, this was a, a rule that was enacted because of the Aaron Rodgers collarbone play, right? It, you know, it, it's, it's trying to protect the quarterback.
10: Yeah, we, we are constantly trying to protect the quarterback. And I think, you know, rather than some of the little cliches or comments we hear about put a skirt on them or... They can't do anything with back-to-flag football. The quarterback, for the most part, guys, is is one of the is maybe the only player on a, on a field like that that could be standing completely still. You know, when you see yeah. hits in the NFL, the only guy that really gets a hit where he's motionless or standing still usually is the quarterback. And, you know, when you're in a passing uh, motion or, or planning your leg to, to throw a forward pass, those legs are locked to the ground, and that's why a lot of the hits below the knees, that's why the protection mechanisms are greater for, for, for them. Uh, in Andrew Luck's case, and a few nuances with that play, I had that one as well, that was one of the six games that I was looking at, because they were CB, that was a CBS game as well. You know, Andrew Luck is sliding, he, he gets a blow that is delivered to his head or neck area, and really there's a few little dynamics. We don't want to go 400 level of officiating and confuse everybody, but... If you have a blow like that, which was ruled unnecessary roughness on the field, and, and by definition, unnecessary roughness, it's a late hit, it's a blow to the head or neck area. It was not helmet contact there, and it was not also not considered a non-football-related act of unnecessary roughness, which would be a skirmish after the play and a, and a punch thrown or something. That's a non-football-related act. This was a football-related unnecessary roughness that did not involve the crown of the helmet. So from the officiating lens, in that case, the officials on the field have to rule unnecessary roughness and also have to rule that they believe the player should be ejected. The officials must say that on the field in real time. Once they say that and that announcement is made, then New York can get involved and confirm that they believe he should be ejected or pull it off. Now, if it were a helmet contact or a non-football-related foul, then the NFL can interject themselves from the command center and suggest or or make that call from New York and say, we want him ejected. In this case, it's unnecessary roughness. It's a hit to the head or neck area. The officials on the field have to say, we believe he should be ejected or we're ruling ejection. The NFL can get involved then and say, we confirm that ruling or that, that judgment on the field as an ejection. Which is what was the case in Indianapolis with Cincinnati.
2: All right, so
1: that was the Sean Williams uh, ejection. And you're that's correct. I yeah, yeah okay. I I uh, I wasn't being clear. I was still talking about the there was a penalty on Carlos Dunlap. Same thing that Miles got called for in in uh, Cleveland. That it just seemed like it was. The exact uh, interpretation of what you were saying implemented differently in Indianapolis. So, okay. b- what now n- moving past that to the ejection that seems yeah. pretty clear. How uh, how close was TJ Watts hit on uh to Rod Taylor to being you know one of those to hits? Be honest,
10: guys, I just didn't see that one, uh, to, so I, d- I couldn't comment on that one for you today. I didn't get to see that, but I'll queue it up and uh. And next Tuesday, uh, comment on it if I, if I get a peek at it. I just didn't see that. I apologize. Yeah, he was
3: fine. It was perfectly within the rules. I wouldn't uh... – <laughs> Hey, yeah, don't even look at it. I wouldn't – Now, know
10: it, now right. I'm going to search it right now. No, nah, no, nah, it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> no, it was fine. That's, that was that, a love
3: tap. It. Love Call tap. Call me
10: back in 10 minutes. We'll
3: talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, did uh, did Gronk get away with one? You know, um,
10: that's a, he makes a heck of a play, and his hands are so strong, Mike uh, – it would have been one that I think it's one you want to look at, I mean, without a doubt. Um You know, the error in that case is that the replay official that is in the stadium still, and, uh you know, he's the first line of defense in that situation for the league to stop the game. You know, you'd want him to do that. Uh Brady, this isn't his first go around. He, he realizes that there might be a little smoke on the play and, and not just the fact that it was, in, you know, under two minutes. I think they had one timeout or no timeouts. So you're in a hurry up anyway, and uh, it's a very short window for somebody to yell into someone's ear down on the field, stop, game, stop, game, so we can look at it. So, uh, And New England does what New England does. I mean, they're thinking a couple seconds ahead of everything, so they get to the snap off, and, and now all of a sudden you don't get to review. And look, in the officiating world, when things like that happen, I can tell you probably nine times out of ten, Something else happens right after that that causes that that decision or lack of decision to to get uh, exponentially uh, you know pushed forward. And now New England scores within two or three plays, and uh, you know they end up winning by seven.
3: You don't think it was because it was close to halftime and the guy was in line for the lobster roll? <laughs> <laughs>
10: I don't know. The chowder's pretty good up there, Mike. Yeah, it I mean, is. <laughs> back in the day, we used to get a, a tub of that in the locker room, and when I'd take the kids to the game, they'd be like, Dad, it's a little too chilly out here. We'll just be in the official's locker room when you get in there at halftime. And- the chowder would be gone, you
1: know? Yeah. Gene <laughs> <laughs> uh, with our uh, weekly segment here, chronicling the exploits of your NFL referees. Not a bad first week. Outside for costing the Steelers the game, uh, you know, pretty good week for the NFL refs. <laughs> it's
10: always a good week when it's not all the headlines, you know? Right. Just, uh, and remember something, guys. We never wake up on Monday morning with a win. Okay, so have the be. You know how the locker rooms say after three losses in a row. You know what? All we really need in here, guys, is a W. If we get a W, the the locker room lifts up. Remember, the officials never wake up on Monday morning with a W.
1: <laughs> That's one to grow on. Gene Steratore, thanks so much, thanks, Gene. Gene. Gene, brought to you by Hubbs Auto thanks, and guys. Truck Supply this morning on DV.
2: My brother, I hated playing basketball or Sega Genesis or anything with him because he was so competitive and if he lost he would like punch a hole in the garage <sighs> or like rip so the control So this is a thing out. for your family. Oh yeah. <laughs> anger? Yeah. We have anger issues. <laughs> some of it's I overt, some of it's
0: suppressed. Cannot ever forget the story you told. I think you were putting together a christmas present or something and you it wasn't going right so you just started smashing it
2: oh yeah no that was (laughs) (laughs) that was an easter basket i stomped it to pieces
3: that's so awesome
0: Sometimes I think of that when I'm trying not to cry. <laughs> I, I was...
3: <laughs> Randy Bellman and the D V E morning show.
1: Hey, your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Tom in Tud's and Tuds in Aspenwall. Two twenty five Bud Light, twenty ounce drafts during all Steeler game. Todd and Tuds in Aspenwall. Never heard of that place.
0: No, me either.
1: I'm betting it's pretty easy to figure out which one's Tud. Mm-hmm. Like that's obviously Tom and That's definitely Tud. <laughs> I'm a Tud guy. Nah, it's probably like a, a, a grandmother or something. Like, oh, Tootie. Tud. Tom and Tudes. Tom and Tud's and Aspenwall. T- 225 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games. That's your Bud Light game day bar of the week. we got Billy Gardell next hour. Cam Hayward coming up at 845. Charlie Batch joining us this half hour and the bottom of the hour with Mike Pursuit of Sports. But Val remembering on this day uh, the victims and the first responders of September 11th and the tragedy that occurred.
0: Yeah, here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Severe Weather Center 11. It's 61 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. Today is the 17th anniversary of the 9 11 attacks and. President Trump will visit the Flight 93 National Memorial in Shanksville today. First Lady Melania Trump is expected to join the president at that ceremony. The memorial is a tribute to those who perished when passengers helped stop that hijacked airliner Flight 93 that was thought to be aimed at Washington, D.C., and a large American flag hanging over the side of the Pentagon this morning in remembrance of the attacks. The flag was unfurled on the west side at sunrise to mark the anniversary. There will be private and public ceremonies there this morning. Vice President Mike Pence and Defense Secretary Jim Mattis will deliver remarks honoring those who died when another hijacked airliner crashed right into the Pentagon. And, Randy, you mentioned this morning one of the things that you hear when you go to the, uh, the 9-11 Museum and Memorial is the voicemails that victims left.
7: Elsa, it's Lynn. Um, I only have a minute. I'm on United 93, and it's been hijacked uh, by terrorists.
4: They have a bomb. Apparently, they uh, have flown a couple of planes into the World Trade Center already, and it looks like they're going to take this one down as well. Mostly, I just wanted to say I love you.
5: Back, good job, okay well i just wanted to tell you i love you we're having a little problem on the plane um i'm totally fine um i just love you more than
9: anything just know that and uh you know i i'm you know i'm uncomfortable and i'm okay for now hi baby i baby you have to listen to me carefully i'm on a plane that's been hijacked i'm on the plane i'm calling from the plane I want to tell you I love you. Please tell my children that I love them very much. And I'm so sorry, babe. I don't know what to say. There's three guys, they've had that plane. I'm trying to be calm. We're turned around. And I've heard that there's planes plane that's been thrown into the World Trade Center. I hope to be able to see your face again, baby. I love you. Bye. Well, see, I just love you. And I just wanted to tell you that. I
4: don't know if I'm going to answer to tell you that again
5: or not.
0: Several, yeah, how can you not be moved to tears when you hear those? Uh, Several events happening after the attacks. One, the Tribute to Heroes telethon that aired on the major networks. We talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, Many moving and stirring musical performances and a slew of celebrities answering phones and participating to remember those first responders and those lost in the attacks.
7: We're going to try and do something. That was the message sent by some very American heroes with names like Sandra Bradshaw, Jeremy Glick, Mark Bingham, Todd Beamer, and Thomas Bennett. They found themselves aboard the hijacked Flight 93 that went down in Somerset County, Pennsylvania on September 11th, 2001. They witnessed the brutality on board and somehow summoned the strength to warn us and take action. United they stood and likely saved our world from an even darker day of perhaps even more unthinkable horror. Since that day, millions of us everywhere, of all ages, races, creeds, have asked ourselves what are we to do? In their heroic undying spirit, we all feel the need to do something, however small, symbolic, to honor these remarkable heroes among us, those who have fallen. And those still standing united those of us here tonight are not heroes we are not healers nor protectors of this great nation we are merely artists and entertainers here to raise spirits and we hope a great deal of money we appear tonight as a simple show of unity to honor the real heroes and to do whatever we can to ensure that all their families are supported by our larger American family.
11: The men of Engine 1, Ladder 24, whose firehouse was across the street from Father Mike's friary, picked up his body and carried him from the rubble. They took him to St. Peter's Church and laid him at the altar, tenderly, and then they went back to ground zero and did their work, because that's what firefighters do.
0: At 2.30 in the morning, a group of workers at the Pentagon hoisted the American flag, and as the stars and stripes flew over the crash site, Everyone there, medics, police, federal agents, firefighters, and rescue personnel, burst into applause. Our flag was still there. After that, the concert for New York City happened. That was October 20th, 2001, and a very different. Uh, mood at that event. Uh, I think that was finally when the country kind of exhaled. Uh, mm-hmm. Huge concert. David Bowie participated, Bon Jovi, The Who, Paul McCartney. And here's one moment from that night that will always stand out for me. It's New York City firefighter Mike Moran. And I want to say one more thing in the spirit of the Irish people, Osama bin Laden, you can kiss
10: my
6: royal Irish ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's one uh, like I said a moment from that night that will always stand out for that me that show
2: was incredible Bin Laden yeah. probably saw that <laughs> you know because yeah. now like when whenever they f- discovered him like he had a bunch of tapes and different things that he watched so oh, he, yeah. he probably saw that
0: A state of emergency is declared for Allegheny County as uh, water rising uh, following days of heavy rain in our area. That countywide declaration is the fourth this year. As of now, there are no damage estimates for weekend flooding. And finally, Rob Zombie's 13 nights of Halloween horror movie marathon set to return to television's HDNet movies. Marathon begins with the musician and filmmaker's own Lords of Salem on October 19th. One horror flick will be shown each day thereafter culminating with a five-film Halloween Day marathon. Forecast today, cloudy, 70 degrees for the high at 61 at DVE.
1: Charlie Batch with us. Charlie, part of the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network broadcast here on your radio home of the Steelers, 102.5 DVE. And how different would it have been Sunday if the weather was like it is right now instead of the torrential
8: downpour that they had to
1: uh, endure there in Cleveland.
8: Yeah, it, it would have been a little tougher and I, or a little easier, I would imagine, versus, uh, you know, what they played in. There were a lot of throws in there that I thought that weren't made because you didn't get a good grip on the football, wasn't able to get it out there um, the way that you typically would. So it, it definitely impacted the game.
1: Yeah, Ben had a rough day, man. I mean, to, you know, I'm putting it mildly. I think two of those picks, you know, most people will uh, – uh, acknowledge, not his fault, right? Um, but the the two turnovers, him trying to make a play there,
8: Miles Garrett was coming all the time. The pocket collapsed uh, pretty quickly on Ben. It did, and especially on the first one, and, and he forced it into triple coverage. And you yeah. look and see the corner. Well, come that was out. the one that was on him. Yeah, that was on him, and it was first down, and he didn't have to force that throw in that particular situation. But the other two, like you mentioned, they weren't his fault. And when you have, you know, when you get an indicator, and a lot of people will say, "Man, how could you make that throw?" You know that's one you have to practice, and AB and Ben they weren't practicing during the preseason. So those are some, something that you know did that play well, a factor. And, and he, he is he supposed to just fly there? Like what's AB supposed to do there that he didn't do? He's, yeah, you he gets You know you're looking for the indicator for your receiver. He gives the indicators if he's going to run a skinny post. Ben lets it go, and at that point when the ball's in the air, he undercuts and he keeps he runs Ran shallow. Ball, and right. it was, you know, one of those ones you just kind of throw your hands up. You can even see Ben's reaction immediately after he just stands there and just kind of looks like, Really, that's what you're gonna do? Because he had a one on one with A B and yeah. And all you're trying to do is get the safety's back turn. If you get the safety back turn, you can put it up there, bit A B is able to adjust and he can make that catch. Maybe there's an interference, but anytime he runs in front of the safety, now the safety is able to put his eyes on the football. It makes it an easy interception. Defensively, uh, you know, it
1: wasn't as, as though they were, you know, facing uh, the Patriots or anything like that, but, uh, uh, you know, there were some weapons offensively for Cleveland that they had to contend with, and I think the defense performed a lot better than most people thought they were going to.
8: They really did, and I thought they played solid throughout the course of that one drive that... Um, that they ran it down the th- our throats, so to speak. and I, But that started because of a hard-grade penalty. And then all of a sudden you had – that's the Artie Burns series where yeah. he had his personal foul. They were able to get you know, 15, 30 yards and in, in penalty yardage in that drive. Outside of that drive, I mean, defense, I thought they were solid. I really did. Constant pressure. They were uh, spying um, to Rod Taylor with T.J. Watt. Now, he's going to win that battle. That's, that's That's Taylor's strength. He's able to use his legs – Watt is not going to be able to get there every time, but of course, you know, they, they were able to corral him, and of course, he was their leading rusher, and I'm okay with the quarterback being the leader rusher, because that means you shut down everything else. Yeah, uh, well, boy, yeah, he did take off uh, more than
1: a couple of times, but uh, not exactly the start you want to have to the season. It's never a fine finely tuned machine, well-oiled machine, whatever the phrase is, in week one, but there was
8: an extraordinary amount of penalties thrown right. on the uh, on the Steelers there. It was tough, and and, and when you look and see some of those, especially um, as the game went on, you're just like, wow, they're hair scratchers. Because some of your you don't want to get on the road and you're beating yourself, so to speak, and that's just something that really they're going to continue to address. And it seems like it happens every year at this time. We're talking about double is that Tomlin? Penalties.
1: Is it position coaches? Is it the players' own responsibility? Not, Why
8: is this the mo of the Steelers? It drives is, me nuts. <laughs> this is the players' responsibility. It's not Tomlin, and we feel the the calls a lot on the post game, and they want to throw immediate blame to Tomlin. Listen, oh yeah. he's coaching. The players have to go out there and accept responsibility. And those are things that whenever you don't play a lot in the preseason, you get to this first oh, couple weeks of the season. You know, now all of a sudden, you know, you start seeing a lot of penalties thrown, and of course, that can't continue. About week three, you, you know, you, you'll probably get those single digits. You're talking four or five penalties a game.
1: We had Gene Steratore on last hour, and he talked about the uh, the punt call that uh, Mike Tomlin challenged uh, as to whether or not it hit Nick Chubb. Uh, to me, it looked like it was obvious. And
8: <laughs> I, I don't even get it. I don't know how they didn't call it right on the field in the first place. Right, and it happened right in front of the Steelers' bench. And that's where you can see everybody's reaction on the Steelers' sideline, especially Tomlin. He's standing right there, and he immediately points in the direction to say it's our ball, and he threw the challenge flag right away. And, of course, you know, I, let, I heard Gene on during his segment, and nothing was conclusive. The show on video that it was overturned. And yeah, I, it's
1: because they I, called it uh you know they they didn't call they missed it. it yeah they missed it there so mm-hmm. you have to have irrefutable evidence in the video replay i even thought that that was conclusive i thought that
8: the video showed it and according to him no no there's still a reasonable doubt there yeah i mean and that's the unfortunate part of it and, and i'm just like wow you can go by the reaction of the steelers bench but I'm Of course that didn't happen and we were on the short side of that. How much confidence did James Conner instill in coaches and teammates with that performance? Man, I I think he really just solidified everything that he did throughout training camp. I mean, I was up there every single day. This guy put on a show. And I I say that meaning we knew he could run with the football. We Mm -hmm. wanted to see if he can pass catch and pass block. And that back-on-backers drill that everybody talks about in training camp is geared for the linebackers. Right. There's no offensive line in front of them. They just run directly at the running back, and it's just like, whoa. <laughs> you absorbed the <laughs> blow. But James was able to do that, and there were a lot of times in this game that he was found his man. He was able to pick up the blitzing linebacker, pl- pick, a, pick, a, uh, pick up the uh, safety, whoever that blitzing guy, He was he did his job. And I think outside of that – Fumble. I think he probably would have been. You know, he would feel good about himself. But anytime you turn the football over, that changes the turn of the game. That's something that James is going to uh, think about this week.
2: I was really impressed with him in the passing game. He made a couple catches in that game that I. I, I... I didn't think he was capable of
8: right, and that's something in we we're not used to seeing that you know right. even in college he only had thirty career catches so it wasn't something you saw even if you follow Pitt and watch his career so that's something that's the element that he was uh, Mike Tomlin challenged him throughout the off season he ended up getting better and that translated into the game and it was good to see that. You know, you mentioned that uh, weather made it tough for Ben to get a handle on the ball. Same with Tarad; He
1: wasn't, like, lighting it up, you know, uh, uh, in the air either on Sunday. But that didn't stop them from attempting passes, and it seemed like he had a tough time finding A.B. open. What was
8: uh, the problem with AB struggles early on to get open or at least available for Ben to target? Well, they did a good job of really – uh, double-teaming him, and that was something that they really wanted to try to take him out of the game plan, and of course, when you're looking on the other side, you're going to say, okay, we're going to make every other receiver beat you, and in those elements, that was something that um, they were trying to challenge, and if you look on the big uh, 71-yard catch that uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had, they attempted to run that play for A.B. It was just a little short earlier mm-hmm. in the ball game. Yeah, They came right back to that play because they knew they got the look that they wanted. So they were trying to get A.B. going in their game. I know he finished with 93 yards. It was just one of those things to where you would like to see him get going earlier. And there was one play at the end of the ball game that you're thinking, hmm, if the weather didn't play, a factor was the last play of the game. Ab has single coverage on the set, on the corner. Oh, yeah, and he runs by him, and you're thinking to myself, hmm, if it wasn't raining, would Ben attempt to throw this ball 65 yards down the field to give Ab a shot at the end of the game? Couldn't do it just because he didn't didn't have the grip on the yeah. football, and it was hard to throw the, a, a wet football that that far down the field, so I understand why he didn't throw that ball.
1: Doesn't get any easier for the Steelers this week against Kansas City either. We're going to bring Mike Pursuit in and uh, a, a look back one more time at the Browns uh, and a little bit of a look ahead at what's coming with the Kansas City Chiefs, the first home game for the Steelers this year, a 1 o'clock kickoff and, uh, of course, your uh, uh, pregame starting at 9 a.m. here on the flagship of the Black and Gold 102.5 DVE. Pittsburgh's Fantasy Football Challenge is back at dve.com. Grand prize for Week 2. One pair of tickets to the Steelers-Ravens games on September 30th. Head to dve.com for rules and registration. Submit a lineup by 1255 Sunday, September 16th. Go to dve.com to play the Pittsburgh Fantasy Football Challenge.
12: DVE
1: Sports. Cam Hayward's coming up at 845. Anxious to talk with Cam about his perception of what went down there. I know he was pretty frustrated on a couple of fronts uh, coming out of Cleveland with a tie in week one. So... That's coming up in just about 15 minutes. Mike Pursuita with Charlie Batch live in studio with us right now on the flagship of the Steelers'
3: DVE. Mike? One thing about that tie, it was a tie. Players on both teams said it felt like a loss. A lot of people have uh, written and talked about it feeling like a loss. It yeah. was a tie. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the way it's recorded, <laughs> it's a tie. If, if at the end of the year the Steelers are uh, you know, 10-5-1 and, and the Ravens are 10-6, and 6, then the Steelers win the division. Yeah, right now
2: they're listed as a 500 team and they've played one <laughs> <Yeah>. game.
5: <laughs>
8: it, so, it, it, it reminded me of that Falcons game in 2002. I remember being uh, on that sideline and Plaxico Burris catches the ball at the one yard line. And everybody, like, what happens? We go into a double overtime. I'm like, no, we tie. And we walked off that field and it was just one of those empty feelings that you had. Was that, <laughs> that, was the, the Falcons Falcons, that was against the Falcons? Falcons. That not, was against the Falcons. That was Mike Vick was there. Yeah.
3: You don't see many ties and you don't see many ties where both teams get a shot at a field goal that you think yeah, they're probably going to make this. Right. And they don't. But, you know, so be it. Uh, I thought the defense was it was definitely better than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it played pretty well. And uh, Joe Hayden did too. Uh, here's Hayden talking uh, afterward about the lack of blown coverages, which I think is going to be significant.
12: But defense did well, man. I think the one thing we got to try to do is create more turnovers. We know we only had one day, So just trying to force some more fumbles, uh, get the ball more to the offense as many as, as many times as you can. But as an overall defense, I think the, uh, I think we did pretty good. Our starting defense, man, we have a very, very solid defense. Um, we're out there communicating. As long as there's no bust, as long as we don't have people running scot-free, man-on-the-man, uh, man and make people beat us, you know what I'm saying? I think we're going to be fine. Did you
3: have any of those
12: yeah, today? Uh, no, okay. it was just them— when they, when they made a play, they made a play. Their guy made it. We were on him, and uh, he he made a catch with, with JG. So um, just those times were times where we just want to try to get the ball back.
3: Yeah, I haven't see, I didn't see any either. I haven't watched the game over again yet, but Hayden said while well, he wanted to look at the film to be sure, he couldn't remember any blown coverages. Artie Burns couldn't. Sean Davis couldn't. Did you see anything where they just – Oh my God! They left that guy wide open. No, that I mean, I agree. like they usually
8: do. Like they usually do, but and uh, no, I agree with Joe right there. I mean, a lot of time they were all playing the exact same defense, and Joe made some heck of a play, sideline play, mm-hmm. a deep one. Uh, in the end zone, he was able to break up that touchdown to Joe yeah, Gordon. To Gordon. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean those were plays that you know you just like okay, you kind of hold your head. But anytime that you know Joe Hayden's out there, I mean that's um, what you want to have. But we don't
3: know how he's going to be moving forward,
8: you know. And I think we'll all get that indication from uh, Mike Tomlin in his press conference today.
3: And some of the Browns' catches, uh, the Gordon touchdown that tied the game was a, making a play, that was a great play, making great, a play. Cam Sutton was, a, was right the, in his face. The sideline ball to uh, eighty-one. What's his name? Higgins. Uh, that's-
8: yeah, I know who you're talking about that. The play before yeah, yeah, that.
3: Yep. The covers was there. Guy caught the ball. Um, Browns dropped some, too, particularly Njoku, the tight end. But it was encouraging to me from the standpoint that I've gotten accustomed to seeing that secondary kind of melt down periodically. And, you know, guys running down the field and two guys are looking at each other like, right. Isn't that your guy? <laughs> I thought that was your guy. That was it. I think
8: you have to credit Tom Bradley, too, new secondary coach. Yeah. You know, he's, he's making those guys more vocal and making sure that they're communicating in the back. And, and the Joe was able to show up today or last week against
3: Cleveland. If they can keep that going, they have a chance. And uh, the pressure was good. Uh, the run defense was good except when it wasn't. That one drive in particular, uh, the Browns hurt the Steelers repeatedly on the run. But thought the tackling was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a bad first game for the defense and better than I was anticipating, quite frankly.
8: And I think for me, the question coming into it was how was Boston going to hold up in the middle? And I think him and Vince Williams did a solid job inside, containing and doing their job. I'm withholding judgment until this week.
3: Well, you got to see them play a down-the-field passing team. Guess what? You're going to see one. That's I'm right. Withholding judgment. And you're going to see uh, a lot of trickery from the Chiefs, uh, as you always do with an Andy Reid team. But uh, watching that Kansas City-San Diego game yesterday, I felt the way I'm sure John Landau did, Randy, back in 1974 when he was uh, for the Boston Real Paper and he was covering a Bonnie Raitt show and uh, there was another act on stage, Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band and John Landau said, I saw Rock and Roll Future and its name is Bruce Springsteen. I turned that Chiefs uh, Chargers tape on yesterday. I saw the future quarterbacks in the NFL. Its name is Patrick Mahomes.
8: Oh, good. He can play. I think Mike well, owes. I think Mike owes his fat pusha for saying San Diego instead of Los Angeles. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs>
3: you know who I mean. I'll tell you, this kid. It was not a stunning draft pick, but mm-hmm. tenth overall. A lot of people thought that was a little bit high, right? And they were wondering about this guy because he was coming from the Big Twelve. You know, the gimmick offense and throw it all over the yard, and you can't trust the this- the stats because they're inflated because that's all they do. And a lot of people knocked him
2: for getting rid of Alex Smith too. Right,
3: six three two thirty, rocket arm, mobile. He escapes the pocket and keeps his head up, looking downfield. He doesn't escape to run. He escapes to break down the defense and make a play with his arm. He can run when he wants to. Uh, he can run the uh, read option. He can run the the spread option. He can throw short darts. He can throw touch passes over linebackers right in the hands of his fullback down the sidelines. He's a ball-handling whiz. Uh, The arm just jumps off the screen at you. It really
8: does, and I think this is something that really a lot of people were excited about. And Anytime that you're early in the season right now, there's not a lot of tape on you, so you don't know how to actually uh, defend a guy like this. So It's going to be interesting to see what Keith Butler comes up with. Mm -hmm.
3: Dan Fouts said uh, he's got a gun, Mahomes. Uh, Ian Eagle, the play-by-play guy in that Los Angeles-Kansas City game, <laughs> called it a cannon. And uh, Eagle told a story about talking to the Chiefs receivers, and they said the biggest adjustment from Alex Smith is that Mahomes throws the ball way harder. they they got to get used to catching lasers yeah. instead of <laughs> Alex Smith kind of you know, lobbing it yeah. around uh, the way he used to do. One thing that really jumped out at me, Andy Reid loves that trickeration, they ran a read option on, on the goal line and they got Mahomes hit by about five guys. Mm. He did the keep, you know. Right. Pull it back and keep it. I I the would not RPO. Be, I would not be running <laughs> this guy into the teeth of the defense at the goal line because they have plenty enough weapons to find another way to score. And I don't want this guy getting hit by three, four, five guys. And he took a he took a big shot. But, you know, he's a twenty two year old kid. Uh maybe they think he's uh strong enough to take it uh the other thing that uh really hit me uh, between the eyes about that uh, chargers chiefs game was philip rivers threw for 424 yards and they had about five egregious drops on what would have been big plays he could have thrown for 550 or 600 Mm. if his guys could catch a little bit was inflated at the end because they were behind and they were just throw throw throwing but man they they there were some guys running free in that Kansas City secondary. Uh, Eric Berry at safety was out. I don't know if he's going to play this week or not, uh, or this Sunday. They an ankle say. soreness, yeah. In last week's game, only had one sack. Justin Houston didn't even notice him. You know, he used to be a terror coming off the edge. Uh, maybe those days have come. No and more gone. Tom Bahaly. Yeah, it's a. Uh, this is a defense that I think at home Ben Roethlisberger and company can exploit. But boy, they're going to have to be on their details against uh, that Kansas City offense. Uh, I was trying to think of what you mentioned, Tom Bradley, uh, how well they did in Cleveland. They, they better do even better this coming Sunday. I recall the Dave that interview uh, coming off the field at halftime against West Virginia and they said, Coach, what do you got to do to keep up with these Mountaineers? And he said, run faster. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't trying to be fun. I mean, right. it, Tariq Hill is
6: he, he blazing an
3: explosion. Uh, he had a 91-yard punt return for a touchdown and a 58-yard TD on a slant. He ran about 47 of the 58 yards on that play after catching the ball. He has uh, 13 career 50-plus-yard TDs. This is his third season. He's got 13. Uh, six receptions, four punt returns, two rushes, and a kickoff return. He's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You take the wrong angle or you miss the tackle, you're done. It's over. All right, Charlie, See what's ya. going on with the Batch Foundation? I've been seeing
8: you post stuff. You guys have had the backpacks cooking for the kids getting back to school. Yes, back to school for us. This is our 10th year doing our back to school um, school supplies, uh, book bag and school supplies. So we give over 3,000 book bags and over 400 teachers bag this year, and we are in four counties being able to do that this year. Just an awesome feeling to be able to go in and be able to do our small part uh, by helping families out to be able to give them the school supplies that they need. And so the teachers' great. bag, so it's just uh, it's exciting for us at the Batch Foundation. And if anybody wants to continue to follow what we do, you can go to BatchFoundation.org, and you'll be able to see everything we do on a calendar year. Right on, nice job
1: as always, man. BatchFoundation.org, Charlie, thanks so much. You can hear Charlie along with Stan Savern post game of this Sunday Steelers Chiefs matchup, one o'clock kickoff means they'll probably be on around 4.30 or so. But the coverage of that game starts at nine a.m. here on your home of the Steelers DVE when we come back. Pittsburgh Steeler captain Cam Hayward on the DVE morning. It is the DVE morning show. You're home with the Pittsburgh Steelers 102.5 DVE. Joining us right now, Pittsburgh Steeler captain Cam Hayward. Sponsored by Don's Appliances. This morning on DVE, Cam. Good morning. How are you?
9: I'm good. Uh, I'm, no, I'm not good. I'm not bad. Uh, I'm in between. You're like <laughs> you're <Yeah>. tied. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, that, as frustrating as it is for fans, that is a, uh, a, a weird predicament for the players to be into. How do you uh, how, how do you compo- cope. cope with a tie? Yes.
9: You don't cope. You move on to the next game. Um, right now, our, our record still says 0-0, so it's like <laughs> we get a second, uh, first game. That's the way I'm looking at it. Um, you know, it's a... Uh, We we had our opportunities to win it. Um, We had some chances, offense, defense, special teams, uh, but we didn't get it done. And you know, uh, when it's inconsistent like that, even with seven minutes left, um, you know, you have to we have to be more responsible and we have to be more accountable.
1: Did the weather play a role in neutralizing the uh, the 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 matchup?
9: I I think it was a little bit harder for, you know, the quarterbacks to throw uh, under such, you know, different conditions than the week, than even the practices were, you know. Um, that's not an excuse or anything. You know, I was excited to play in, the, in, you know, muddy, muddy, muddy weather. But it wasn't really, it was drizzling the entire time. So I think the ball got a little bit more slicker than usual. So that's why you saw a lot of the quarterbacks throws on both sides Looked a little bit more, a little bit inconsistent. But uh, you know, we should have took advantage as a defense for us to strip the ball more uh, and make that um, you know an advantage for us. Um, You know, I think their their defense did a pretty damn good job with uh, six turnovers.
1: Well, in that vein, uh, you said after the game that it was your plan to let Tyrod run. What did you mean by that?
9: Um. Well. We were showing it was a four-man look, but then we would uh, switch some things around, put TJ in the middle, but drop him back. Um, And you know, in some ways, we were telling Bud to run the hoop and run the edge, and we wanted Tyrod to run because, as a passer, he's when he doesn't get a feet set, you know, he's off balance. And um, you know, we. we want to take advantage of that because he doesn't throw a good ball downfield when he's off balance. Um, but with that said, once you get Tyrod going and he's running, and there's too many escape lanes, you're 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 letting a, court, a quarterback who's very mobile in this game take advantage of us. Um, you know, we got to have we got to have more discipline in what we did. Um, you know, and you know, we take away those running yards by a quarterback, um, then you know, we're holding, they're they're starting running back to 60 yards on 20 carries.
3: So, was TJ kind of like a spy in those situations then?
9: Yeah, but he was covering multiple gaps, which makes it even harder. Um, You know, and, you know, we're trying to develop a plan for a quarterback, but, uh, you know, we just didn't get the job done.
1: Did you go back and look at the videotape of the punt?
9: Yeah. (laughs) I asked my buddies about it, and they they said the same thing that, you know, they thought it was our ball, but, um, you know, uh, I I remember one of the rest I was talking to was just like, yeah, that's above my pay grade. And I was like, then who do we ask about? Yeah, that?
2: How, can, yeah. <laughs> right. how can you? You're familiar with your job, right? Right. <laughs> uh, Stuff so happens we, and you decide what happens.
9: <laughs> man, um, you know, the. I got a little bit ticked off. There was a play where Bud got crack-backed on, and there was not even, you know, there was no even flinch to even throwing the flag. Um, You know, we talk about safety, but are we really protecting our our defensive players as well? Um, You know, that should be a rule of emphasis, but it definitely wasn't brought up.
3: Cam, as far as you know, were there uh, zero broken or busted coverages?
9: Yeah. On, um, your, on that, your team's uh, part? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I thought our communication was really good. Um, you know, especially having Cam Sutton jump in for Joe in the middle of the game. Um, obviously, you don't want your corner to go down, but I thought he did a really good job. Um, you know, obviously, they're going to test him early, and they did, um, but I love the way he bounced back and got the pick uh, late in that game. Um you know, we're, we're going to have games where, you know, guys are going to go out and you need guys to step up. So um, I love the way our, our secondary had a, a really sound game. Um, I think they had three plays that were like for 20 yards, but um, we were able to always bounce back and, you know, try to keep fighting on.
3: And, and do you see that six package with uh, the three safeties in the three corners? Was that a, a Cleveland specific thing or do you think that's going to settle in as your sub package of choice?
9: Um, you know, I think we're trying to supplement a lot of what Ryan did. Um, You know, Box is a great player, but um, having Morgan in there as well uh, helps us to be better in the secondary. Um, And, you know, there there are things we're going to do every week that's going to be different, but uh, I think both guys um, helped complement each other and uh, put us in good situations. Um, The only thing I thought we struggled with, and this might be as a as more of a a defensive um, staff in our unit. You know, we got to – there were a couple times we got into a hurry-up package and we had some newer coaches who didn't understand it. So we were just, uh, you know, not having everybody out there during the preseason can lead to this, but we have to get better and um, crisper with our substitutions. You know, getting caught with 12, 13 guys – is inexcusable. I know we try to go from um, Oki to nickel and nickel to Oki, and the refs got to do a better job of standing over the ball. But um, you know, it, we we got to be better at that. You know, I think there was one time I remember the offense; they broke the huddle and then the receiver ran off the field, and I was talking to the ref, and he was like, "Well." I got too many things to look at. I was like, uh, "You can't do that." You know, we got we got to be smarter about it.
2: That's you, above my pay grade, Cam. <laughs>
9: right.
2: <laughs> uh, speaking of getting better, yeah, we
9: still had a chance to win the game. Yeah, that's that, 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 that's the ultimate goal you want. Um, you know, you got to do the little things, got to get better, and uh, hopefully we'll do it this week.
1: Did the Browns get a lot better?
9: Um, you know, I think it's it, time will tell. You know, you can't get judged off a tie. Uh what what are you really saying? Uh congratulations. You didn't you didn't lose another game, you tied it. If that's not the most brown thing, I don't know what is. But, uh,
2: uh CAM the the, yeah. the paper that came out in the I think it was the Cleveland Plain Dealer said uh winless streak ends or, or uh losing streak ends, winless streak still doesn't begin or something like that. It's just the most right. Cleveland headline ever.
9: Right. And you know the funny thing about it is they have these coolers. And I, I, I kept hearing about it this whole week. The Bud Light oh, coolers. We're going to open up these coolers inside the, ba- the bars and everything. They didn't read the fine print. It says you got to win the game. <laughs> so, it didn't say don't lose the game. It says you got to win the game. So they got to wait another week to do it.
1: Camp, given the week that you guys had leading up to that game and all of the controversy surrounding Lev Bell and the team's sort of frustration with him bubbling over at one point and then finally sort of calming down, how important was it for James Conner to have a reassuring performance like that? Despite the fumble.
9: Yeah, I I don't even think it was about Le'Veon. You know, Le'Veon's a great player, but for the mindset of James Conner coming off an ACL or... You know, I don't know exact injury, but, you know, I need a big knee injury. Um, and having a day like that, uh, his first game starting, you know, that's huge for any kid. Um, that kid's battled so much in his life. Um, and I was just happy for him, man. You, you you know, I'm not happy for the way his hair looks, but I'm happy for the way he plays. Is, is uh, he doing
1: that for uh, – somebody told me that he was doing that to honor another uh, uh, the
2: person going through cancer treatment. I didn't know that. Now that's I don't know if that's hair. true. That might not be true. We got to <laughs> we got to get to the bottom of this cam because that hair,
9: right? Whew. Man, it, it's one of a kind. I don't know if you if you live in you know you go outside the city and you're in the you know you're out there and you got the little bullet in the back, but then you got <laughs> the stripes going across the side. I, I couldn't tell you.
3: Yeah, ready? That's not an eerie thing. No, it has nothing to do with being from Erie. We, no. No.
9: I wasn't going to say it. Come on, man. <laughs>
3: hey, Kev, did you get a chance to have a chat with uh, Todd Haley at any point? And what was he chatting with Artie Burns about?
9: I don't know. I had to, I told Artie, what, they're not going to kick Todd uh, out of the stadium. You know, Todd's got kicked out many places before, but they're not going to kick him out of the stadium. Um <laughs> But uh, you know, Artie, Artie, has got to keep his, his his head. You're not going to win that battle with him. Um, you know, Todd Todd will stir up some stuff to, you know, get his team going, um, and he's got the right pieces to do it. You know, I think Jarvis Landry is such a emotional leader for them that you know, the second you go to playing that game with them, you know, you're in. You're that's what they want. Um, you know, and we just got to be smarter about it.
3: Glad you're one of those guys. You you hate him, but if he was on your team, you'd be really happy about it. Yeah,
9: um, you know, uh, he, he, he's a he's a little big guy. You know, that's what I think. Uh, you know, he's one of those guys that you know, even though he's tiny, he plays big, and he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He plays with a lot of motion. Um, you know, and when when, when You love him if you're on your, he's on your team, but if he's on the other team, uh, you're thinking, one, I'm gonna, you know, either match or exceed his energy, and two, I'm not gonna let this guy get off because once he gets going, you know, he sets the tempo for him.
1: Cam Hayward, sponsored by Dawn's Appliances this morning on DVE. Always a pleasure to talk with you, man. Go get him this week. The home opener running out on a Heinz field. Is the D going to get called out or the offense this weekend? Who's going to run out of the tunnel?
9: Man, I'm over the defense. Uh, you know, it's been a while, and uh, I'm pretty excited to run out of that tunnel. You know, uh, uh, we got some new, fresh faces to be on that screen, and um, hopefully it gets the W.
1: No doubt about it. We'll see you there, Cam Hayward. Thanks, Cam. Have a great one.
9: You guys, too. It's uh, always a pleasure talking to you guys. Okay,
1: man. We'll see you soon. Cam Hayward this morning on DVE when we come back.
3: He's been thrown out of many places. That
1: was the greatest line. But They're not going to throw awesome. him out of this state. He had a couple great lines there. <laughs> Billy Gardell joining us next hour. <laughs> Steelers and Chiefs Sunday here on TV. A 1 o'clock kickoff. pregame game starting at 9 o'clock on your radio home of the Steelers,
3: WDV. Derg. Al River on everybody's favorite NFL senior vice president in charge of officiating uh, said after further review that the uh, roughing the passer penalty assessed to Miles Garrett one play before James Conner opened the scoring with a 7-yard excuse me with a 4-yard touchdown run should not have been a roughing the passer uh, the issue is uh, weight uh, of the body on the quarterback of, of the uh, the defending player on the quarterback According to Riveron, quote: "The rule specifically says most, if not all, of your body weight is not allowed to fall on the quarterback." And I don't
1: know how the hell these guys are supposed
2: to determine. Seems pretty yeah. subjective.
3: <laughs> well, let's see. He's three fifteen, and he, he was uh, covering thirty-eight percent of his body. So yeah, that's just carry that's, the two. Ben, in. did it feel
2: like most of them?
3: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds bad. Andy Bowen it, and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, that's. Yeah. It's a weird
1: question. To <laughs> ask Just that. a weird one. Uh, so much Steeler talk going on. How about tomorrow on the show? We got Merrill Hodge, Frank Caliendo, Double M. Dang, dang.
0: Steeler Wednesday.
1: What? Uh, we got Billy Gardell uh, coming up here. You have him ready to go? Not yet. Okay, so Billy will be on momentarily, and uh, Valerie. With a uh, a news update for you, we're running a little bit late here this morning with all of the guests that we've had so far, but we want to make sure that we take time to remember September 11th.
0: Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast, brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Weather Center 11. It's 64 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. We
1: have Billy Gardell on the line, and Bill, uh, a little uh, somber uh, greeting for you this morning as we're uh, remembering the events on this day 17 right. years ago. Sure. Yeah.
4: Sure. I uh I absolutely man. I hope everybody takes a minute today to remember the departed and of course our uh, our amazing fire departments in New York and police departments up there that uh that were the first end of the fray. Absolutely, man. Val's
1: absolutely. gonna guide us through a remembrance right now.
0: Sure. Mayor. There will be remembrances and ceremonies all over the country today as we mark the 17th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks that shook our nation. And looking back to May 1st, 2011, President Obama addressed the nation and announced that Osama bin Laden has died. And that was a result of a U.S. military maneuver in Pakistan. Bin Laden, the mastermind of the 9-11 terrorist attacks on the U.S., was killed by U.S. forces.
11: Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda. It was nearly 10 years ago that a bright September day was darkened by the worst attack on the American people in our history. The images of 9-11 are seared into our national memory. On September 11, 2001, in our time of grief, the American people came together. We offered our neighbors a hand, and we offered the wounded our blood. We reaffirmed our ties to each other and our love of community and country. Today, at my direction, the United States launched a targeted operation against that compound in Abbottabad, Pakistan. A small team of Americans carried out the operation with extraordinary courage and capability. No Americans were harmed. They took care to avoid civilian casualties. After a firefight, they killed Osama bin Laden and took custody of his body.
0: And according to U.S. officials, his body was handled according to Islamic law and buried at sea. Wind chimes in a gleaming steel and concrete tower now commemorate the people who kept hijackers from flying a plane into the U.S. Capitol on 9-11. The 93-foot-tall Tower of Voices, which was dedicated over the weekend, includes 40 wind chimes, one for each person on United Flight 93. Passengers and crew members overpowered the hijackers and crashed that plane in a field near Shanksville. And Sunday's ceremony dedicated the final piece of the 2,200-acre Flight 93 National Memorial. President Trump will visit the Memorial Plaza today. The number of New York City firefighters who have died from illnesses related to the 9-11 terrorist attacks keeps climbing. There were 343 firefighters who died on September 11, 2001, but 182 have passed away since, and more than 1,000 have either cancer or respiratory problems, union President James LaMonda says firefighters spent months sifting through Ground Zero rubble.
10: Not once did one of these members were battling literally for their life. Did they ever say that they regretted responding? Not once did one of these members were battling literally for I'm their sorry. life. We pledged to recover every single person that we could possibly recover from that site and they toiled in that toxic
8: stew, day in and day out.
0: Lamanda says he is still disappointed the federal government declared the air safe and did not provide necessary respiratory protection. Officials at the 9-11 memorial in New York are working on a new memorial to honor recovery workers. And John Stewart has been fighting to continue funding from the federal government for lifetime financial assistance for victims and first responders. It's called the James Zadroga 9-11 Health and Compensation Act. Right now that continues just until 2020. Former boxer Oscar De La Hoya says he is considering a run at the White House.
1: What what? Um That was a weird nine eleven transition.
4: I was Sorry, like, wait a I, what?
0: I paused. I thought that was a clear enough I didn't oh, think I need-
4: I thought I was having a stroke. <laughs>
0: Uh, He tells TMZ he's putting together a team to explore some options, and if the numbers are right, he's going for it. Golden Boy 2020. He said, quote, I'm actually very, very serious, and I strongly feel that if a Kanye West can do it and announce, maybe tease the world that he would maybe want to one day run for president, why not me?
2: Sponsored by St. Ives Malt Liquor. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe, Bill. Just breathe.
1: I can't.
4: I just can't do it. That's unbelievable.
2: I mean, I honestly do think that The Rock could probably win. Oh, for sure. Kanye and uh, Oscar De La Hoya need to chill out.
0: And a, a Connecticut woman knows firsthand what it's like to be in a Roadrunner cartoon after she lit what she thought was a candle, only to realize it was actually dynamite. The 30-year-old's house lost power last Thursday during a thunderstorm, so she went to the basement. She and her family lived in the house just a couple of years, but she said she remembered the previous owners leaving candles in the basement. The
1: previous owners were Bugs Bunny and Yosemite (laughs) Sam.
5: (laughs) So she
0: grabbed one and lit it. It was not a candle. It was a small stick of dynamite. She did suffer injuries to her face and hand, including a couple lost fingers. No one else in the house was injured. The neighbor, oh, my God. the neighbor all been there. The neighboring houses, though, were evacuated as a precaution while police searched for more explosive devices. No charges were filed against the family, and it's unknown why those previous owners had dynamite just hanging so out if, in the
4: basement. If, if you light a candle and it goes...
5: <laughs>
0: Throw
2: it. I don't want to ha- celebrate any birthdays over at those people's house. Jeez!
0: Technology is putting more people out of work. While most golf courses, I guess, don't officially allow you to bring your own booze on the course, they you know they have the drink carts that run around. Uh, well, Kings Wat Golf Course in North Dakota has taken things to a new level. They're going to use drones to deliver beer. Oh. So rather that, that than have well. rather than have the the cart girl driving around with you know beer for everybody, they they're going to have a drone drop it off. Uh, golfers will be able to download an app. It gives them the option of getting food and drinks delivered right to their location on the course.
1: We're in a lot of trouble.
0: The drone delivery su- uh, service is a success. The company that operates the app and drones hope to roll it out to thousands of golf courses in the near future.
2: These people are watching that gecko commercial where they have the uh, the sandwich drone and they were like, "You know what? They got a good idea. That that could actually happen. Let's let's get that going." You know what
1: they're going to do? They're going to have drones that follow you around doing whatever you're, you you can have a golf drone that will film your entire round and then you'll be able to watch it like you're on TV later. Oh,
0: I'm surprised they don't have it already. I,
1: I'm telling you, you're going to there's just going to be surveillance on us 24/7 from drones.
2: I don't golf, but I I would guess that if you asked a lot of people that go to golf courses, they they like the beer cart girl. That's a that's a feature that they uh don't It's like get an rid of. oasis in the desert. Yeah.
0: Ah, here comes the cards. Here comes yeah. the beer cart.
1: Well, they also like seeing a girl. Yeah, Just a girl. That's, it's like seeing a, a girl at a Steelers game. Well, maybe we Your should testosterone have is so high. It's just, you know.
4: I think the sky is going to be filled with drones soon.
0: There are actually signs now, in the at least at Settlers Cabin Park, It said no drones allowed.
4: Yeah, it's going to be filled with drones. That's it.
0: But you it's won't be able that, to see it. No, then. we're just going to be in the
4: house pushing buttons.
2: You won't be able to see all the drones from the vape smoke.
4: Yeah, well, yeah. Have you ever seen a young kid? Me and Joey O'Connell from Penhills always talk about that. Have you ever seen a young kid really, like, take a hit off a vapor pen or a vapor? Oh, yeah. They blow. It looks like Puff the Magic Dragon. I know. Now, I have been in some smoky rooms. I have hit some bongs in my life, but I have never. <laughs> Seen the amount of chemical blown out like that in my life? It's it's unbelievable. Like this is healthy? Sure. No, it's, you're going to get popcorn lung or a wet lung. Stop doing that.
1: Popcorn lung. You're right. That's that's <laughs> no the uh, no question the malady that, uh, no that good that, that follows.
4: You're going to be wheezing when you're 40.
2: <laughs> two, two guys <laughs> are vaping, and it looks like the mills open back up.
4: Yeah, it does. It looks like Homestead. <laughs> These According, guys in front of a store look like Homestead. It's ridiculous.
1: As long as the drones don't start vaping. That's, a, you know, that's where I'll draw the line.
4: According uh, to will the, just invent a, a, a drone that can see through the vapor.
0: <laughs> According to the American Society of Plastic Surgeons, demand for calf and pec implants in men has skyrocketed more than uh, 400% yeah. in the past five years.
2: I remember seeing an MTV True Life. I got calf implants. <laughs> it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. Cause didn't this, they explode or something? This dude was just... No, he was a mess. He had, like, you know, just some skinny stems. He skipped leg day. <laughs> and uh, and he got these calf he implants. He didn't get that
4: dish, bell.
2: No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> he was so excited to have, like, good-looking calves. Guys
0: are... Uh...
4: Seriously, if you're if you're a grown man and you're getting calf implants, I hope they slip down into the back of your ankles and your shoes
0: don't
4: fit. <laughs> I do, and then you just have this weird wobble foot, and then every time you come over your friend's house, they go, oh, "Those uh, calf implants didn't work, huh? You jelling? No, and then you go, you still got to wear the flip
1: flops, huh?
5: Yeah,
4: do me a favor, don't put those on my table."
0: Guys are to get your one. Your heels
1: are ripped. If I was gonna get one, I'd get like the Reebok pump. So I just you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I can get it you know, pump it up and just let it go every once in a while. Like, oh I'm wearing shorts tonight, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Behold.
0: Uh, yeah, guys want to beef up their pecs and their calves, so they're getting silicone inserted through incisions in the armpits or oh, behind the knees. Such a
1: bad idea! And you know, a no, lot of people died done. during plastic surgery. Can you imagine?
0: Isn't that wow. How Kanye's mother died? Yeah,
1: but she, uh, she was having like a cosmetic procedure. Yeah, I, calf yeah. implants. So it's no, she wasn't getting calf implants. No, 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 no
0: but it was cosmetic surgery, it was like
1: liposuction, something like that. But that would be the worst way to die. Like, no, I don't care how tough you were in your life. It would be the most embarrassing.
2: No, they bury your man card before you. Yeah, Yeah, that would be an uncomfortable funeral for everybody to go to.
4: Listen, man, we used to have so much common sense. You know, I I don't know. I I don't know what happened to it. It's gone. It's gone. But somewhere in your family, somewhere in your family, where you're growing up as a child, You had, someone had to say to you, you gotta have some sense, (laughs) and make some good decisions. The rule with the hospital is this, don't look under the hood unless you have to. Age, just age, don't go in there just because. I think it's very dangerous, I think it's very, very scary, and I think, especially nowadays, Doctors are not like they used to be, where there was a guy that came in, and you looked like, he looked like he had weathered some storms, he looked like he had done some operations. Now there's a guy that's 22, he's still wet behind the ears, and he comes in and draws on you with a Sharpie. Now where am I operating? Well, don't you notice, Doc? I, I shouldn't have to draw you a Where's Waldo map on my shoulder.
5: <laughs>
0: not this one. <laughs> written on your, your leg. Doctors
2: used to look like Burt Lancaster in Field of Dreams.
4: Well, I want a doctor to come in smoking.
2: With a leather I bowling bag. Cigarette. Like,
4: all right, I've done 40,000 of
2: these. You're going to be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you want bigger calves. Start doing some calf raises.
0: Yeah. Uh, In music news, the long-awaited Joan Jett documentary, Bad Reputation, is scheduled for a September 28th debut. What a
4: great rock and roll song, and especially a great rock and roll song for girls.
0: The film will be released simultaneously in theaters, on streaming services, and video-on-demand. Film chronicles Jones' four-plus decade career as a member of the all-female band The Runaways and as a solo artist. Meanwhile, a soundtrack album will be available simultaneously as well. And the Queen biopic Bohemian Rhapsody set to premiere at London's Wembley Arena on October 23rd. The film, which stars Rami Malek as Freddie Mercury, chronicles the 15-year period between the band's formation and their legendary performance at Live Aid at Wembley Stadium in 1985. The film is scheduled to debut in the U.S. on November 2nd. Uh, meanwhile, it was announced last week that previously unreleased performances recorded at Live Aid will be released as part of the film's upcoming album soundtrack.
4: For- but Rami, he looks like the real deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt. It's uh, I mean, that, it,
4: that, that kid looks like he killed this, man.
1: Yeah, the trailer is really impressive.
0: Whew! forecast today. Cloudy 70 for the high. It's 63 a DV. Billy Gardell with us here
1: this morning, live from Los Angeles, California.
2: Cause.
0: Oh, cause.
1: Uh, cause. A quick break. We'll come back. More Steeler talk with you. We've had a ton this morning, Bill. Been talking a lot about the tie on Sunday. Yeah, the tie. I got a few thoughts. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I, look yeah. For, I look forward to hearing them. Next, Billy Gardell right. with us here on the DV morning show. D-V-E Sports. Alright, we got Billy Gardell live in Los Angeles, California this morning. Gosh. Mike pursued a live here in studio. I want to remind you, though, before we get going with Sports Steelers Huddle, back tonight on DVE from 7-8 with Jerry Dulac, Dale Lawley, and Steeler defensive end, Stephon Tuitt. Steeler Huddle with Stephon Tuitt, 7 o'clock tonight on DVE.
3: And as we uh, remember nine eleven this morning, uh, just an FYI, a good friend of mine, uh, Tommy McMillan, who is uh, a vice president of communications with the Penguins, he wrote a book a year or, or so ago. I can't remember exactly yeah. when it came out, but... The title is Flight 93: The Story, The Aftermath and the Legacy of American Courage on 9/11 and it is phenomenally well done. Uh, if you pick that up, you're not going to want to put it down and uh it will be an emotional read if you go that way.
1: Yeah, I remember talking with Tommy when it was published and uh it was blown away by his uh by his in-depth knowledge and research on this event and, and his ability to organize it all and uh, compile it in a manner that it, it, it is really
3: just compelling and, you, and you, you don't want to stop learning about this. He's always been one of those guys that when he does something, he is entirely all in. Yes. And no, his passion <laughs> This uh, is no exception. His it, passion for it is evident. It's incredibly detailed and researched and uh, it's, it's worth uh, the time and effort. So, there's that. Steelers uh, trying to put that tie with Cleveland behind them and get ready for Kansas City this Sunday at Hinesfield.
4: Yeah, well, we had like eight turnovers, right?
3: Six. Yeah. Close. It's a lot. They did uh, a lot of things well. Uh, Some of the things they're looking to clean up are the uh, aforementioned turnovers and And the
4: 12 turnovers.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, quarterback. Quarterback Artie Burns would uh, prefer not to melt down the way he did there in the third quarter. Uh, Cleveland beginning a drive deep in its territory, and uh, Artie Burns got a couple of 15 yard penalties, one of which was enforced after becoming uh, embroiled in a dust up of sorts with Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry. And uh, Artie was. Well, Mike,
4: you know, you can't win a game when you have 16 turnovers. <laughs> it's,
3: it's difficult. But, uh Already acknowledged afterward that he would prefer not to uh, get the unsportsmanlike foul type calls. Uh, I just
12: kind of lost my cool, man. I just kind of snapped. You know, it kinda, it's first game. You know, we out there. was a heated moment. You know, and I just kind of lost my cool for a little bit. You know. Glad you you do that. Just a little bit, you know. But uh, I got—I got to keep my professionalism and, and you know handle handle it way much better than I did. You know, I, they scored on that drive too off of that penalty. So you know, I kind of blame that drive on me too.
3: Uh, He's taking a little too much blame there. The penalty moved the ball from the 16 to the 31. Yeah, that's a penalty.
4: That's not 26
3: turnovers. Yeah. (laughs) I notice that number keeps getting bigger. I I like this. Uh, Part of that Landry-Burns confrontation included former Steelers offensive coordinator and Kurt Brown's offensive coordinator, Todd Haley, chirping in at Burns from the sideline. And uh, Cam Hayward told us on the DVE Morning Show today that that's a fight that Burns can't win.
9: I don't know. I had to. Tell, I told Artie, well, they're not going to kick Todd uh, out of the stadium. You know, Todd's got kicked out many places before, but they're not going to kick him out of the stadium. That's um, such a idea. But uh, you know, Artie, Artie, Artie's got to keep his, his his head. You're not going to win that battle with him.
3: Yeah, you know, he has been kicked. Stadiums, he tends to hang around. Walk off by Cam Hayward. Yeah, pretty good stuff. And uh, Cam Hayward uh, confirming with Joe Hayden, Burns, and Sean Davis had suspected an immediate aftermath of the game. Yeah, they gave up some plays on the back end, but they did not blow any coverages. I thought
9: our communication was really good. Um, you know, especially having Cam Sutton to jump in for Joe in the middle of the game. Um, obviously, you don't want your corner to go down, but I thought he did a really good job. Um, you know, obviously they're gonna test him early and they did, um, but I love the way he bounced back and got the pick uh late in that game. Um, you know, we're we're gonna have games where, you know, guys are gonna go out and you need guys to step up. So, um I love the way our, our secondary had a, a really sound game. Um, I think they had three plays that were like for twenty yards, but um we were able to always bounce back and, you know, try to keep fighting on.
3: Communication, resilience, and depth, that's what they need.
4: I love Cam Hayward. I think he's becoming my favorite stealer. uh, But you cannot ask a defense to overcome 37 turnovers.
3: (laughs) (laughs) One other thing to keep in mind as you uh, continue uh, writhing in frustration over a, a tie against the Browns. Uh, probably nobody in Pittsburgh wants to hear this, but the Browns are better. Here's
12: Joe Hayden. For sure, I mean Ty- Tyrod is a, a great athlete. He can use his feet and he can use his um, he can use his arm. He does a great job of not not giving throwing the ball away or giving it away. So, um, and then at the same time Landry, they never had him, and Josh is still Josh. You know, he's uh, one of the best receivers in the game. And um, so I think they they have a – Higgins is actually stepping up and doing this thing. So, I mean, they have a really good receiving crew, um, good quarterback, and uh, they, I think they, they're they're moving in the right direction.
4: Yeah, and you didn't mention I the running I agree with backs. that. No, look, I agree with that. The Browns are better, and, and eventually they're going to catch up because you can't beat a team for three decades. That That's all facts. <laughs> but, again, I go back to –
5: 53
3: turnovers. Hayden didn't mention the running backs, but uh, Carlos Hyde's a legitimate NFL number one back. He's not all pro, but he's he's good. Uh, He's legit. Nick Chubb just finding his way in the league, a very high draft pick. And Duke Johnson, the pass-catching back, if he played anywhere other than Cleveland, he would be a household name. So... There's that. I still should have won the game. I no, asked
1: Cam it, if they were better, and he, he didn't want to go there at all. You yeah, know,
3: Yeah, he's going to be uh, reluctant to give the opponents too much credit. But 21-7, halfway through the fourth quarter, you should put that game away a thousand times out of a thousand. But th- there are some players in Cleveland, which we talked about that before the game, but I think you saw uh, the catch by Josh Gordon on the game-tying touchdown was... Unreal, big big league stuff. That was same thing with Antonio Brown's TD. That they got a guy that can do that now. I guess they had him before. They got two guys that can do that. (laughs) He hasn't been around in a while. Somebody said that was his first opener since two thousand and twelve.
2: Jeez, it's crazy. Well, if he's, I can't believe he's still on the field, man. That's that guy is kudos to him for at least coming back. Yeah, if he's got his head screwed on straight, I mean, he can do a lot of good
3: things in this league. I mean, that guy's yeah. he's got a he's lot got of the, miles left oh, on him. The one, he's
2: got the Megatron body built.
3: The one down the middle that Joe Hayden was able to get uh, a hand on, I thought when that ball left uh, Taylor's hand, I thought that was a touchdown. Yes.
4: I like the way Hilton played, too. Usually I like do, Hilton. right?
1: That's Tomlin's favorite yep. guy.
4: Yeah, I like Hilton. And my, my thing whenever he does something good is I go... Thank you for staying at the Hilton.
3: (laughs) If he gets just a little bit better, do you think they could overcome 72 turnovers? (laughs) I don't, Mike, listen. 85
4: turnovers is too big a gap for anybody.
3: More with Billy Gardell when we come back
1: on DV. The DV morning show. Billy Gardell hanging out with us. And uh, the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Tom and Tuds in Aspenwall. 225 Bud Light 20-ounce drafts during all Steeler games.
2: That sounds like a That's great That's the most Pittsburgh-sounding bar Tom I've and ever tud's. heard.
1: Say that again. Tom and Tud's I gotta get there.
2: <laughs> Tom and
4: Tud's. That's what Tom I said. Tom and Tud's. Bill, He's I said. going down to TNT. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I guarantee you it's super easy to tell which one is Tud's.
2: <laughs>
3: I bet you could smoke in there, too. Yeah. I bet it's mandatory. I bet you can't, but <laughs> Tud's can.
2: <laughs> yeah, Tud's just has his own personal ashtray Tud's at the, is a lot to at the smoke. end of the bar. <laughs> no doubt
1: about it.
4: I just hope Tom yells at Tud's a lot, and he and he starts it with his name.
1: Tud's! Tud's! <laughs> well, uh, Bill, we talked about this very early this morning in the 6 a.m. hour, and I want to bring it back because I want your, your thoughts on this. Uh, a woman at Giant Eagle who worked the deli counter... Catherine Brennick in Boulevard, Ohio, which I'm not sure how far over the border that is, but...
0: Let's find out. Yeah, can't be talking.
1: Can't be too far.
2: Catherine (laughs) Brennick... You just keep talking.
1: ...was the uh, 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 deli worker in this particular Giant Eagle, one of, you know, several, and she's recently been fired. The reason she was fired is because the 36-year-old woman had been caught eating deli meat every day and they have deduced that her 3 to 4 slices of ham and sometimes salami per day over 5 years adds up to 92,000 or $9200 worth of deli meat that she has embezzled. Oh my god. Out of wow. the eagle.
4: Wait, how did they figure out that number?
1: Because they was did this thing. They did the math, you know, 3 pieces, 4 pieces a day. Added up over five years. The percentage of that is the poundage. How many years? Five. $9,200 in lunch meat. That's a lot of lunch meat.
0: Yeah,
4: but was she just nibbling on a piece here and there?
0: right? That's
1: what I'm saying.
4: I you think that three should be a first. You said three
0: to four perk. slices a day. Yeah, maybe Listen, she was just dropping a few in a baggie and taking it, it home.
4: Well, or in today's economy, with no ra- no raises for people who actually work for a living, I think she should be able to. That should be a perk on the job. Number two, I'm going to rule in her favor because if you know it's going on for five years, then the shame on you. If you see it three weeks in, and you at uh, Lorraine, listen, all right, the ham is gone. Okay, you can't. You got to pull back now.
2: Stop okay? skimming but if the salami. If you're,
4: if you're coming, hitting me five years later with ninety two hundred for meat, you can get lost. I tell, <laughs> tell you what.
1: I tell you what I would have done if I were to her. If I were her. If I wanted to execute something like this, you can't take it from the inventory. You have to you have to be like a, a Vegas card sheet and after you measure out <laughs> give them the
5: customers.
11: Yeah, to put a finger on uh, it. Yeah,
4: and, gotta... then, and then and then at the end of every shift now the deli people are gonna have to clap their hands and flip them like dealers in Vegas when they're <laughs> yeah.
2: done. The pit bosses are watching the deli counter
1: but, like, if you have a pile of ham on the scale and someone's, like, 0. .98, okay, that's good. And you're like, that's good? And they go, yeah. You do, like, some sort of trickery to, like, divert them with your left hand, and then you flick one off the top right into your mouth. <laughs> Real quick well, that like
0: is, that. You gotta be I,
4: think if that. You're, I think if you're over, that's where you should be able to take the perk. If you're, like... You know, one point three, you're like, hang on, two slices. One point <laughs> oh go. that
1: goes you to eat. the dealer. Yeah, yeah. yeah you you're eat an those. evener. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well what they should do to make her they shouldn't fire her. They should just take one or two dollars out of every paycheck for the next however many years. Oh, Ninety five years. Skim her paycheck for the next couple no, that's of years. It's like
1: Ozark though. Do you what do you do with the woman who worked for you for fifteen years and you caught her cheating? or you caught her stealing. What do you do? You have to fire her. Why? Because it's not the first time she stole. It's the first time you caught her.
4: That's right.
1: Now, here, again, I'm on her side. I think no, I'm if you on her side, her-
4: too. You, you can't come five years later with that crap. Sorry. Statue of limitations is out on that.
1: Now, I, I do think it would be annoying to work with the woman who's always eaten ham.
0: Maybe she just grabbed a handful every day and took it to the break room and made her lunch.
1: Well, that's different.
2: Why is that different? Because there's something about that that seems premeditated.
0: <laughs> it all seems <laughs> it's all premeditated. premeditated. No, if, if it's
2: you're just taking a... the ham off site, then it's a felony.
1: Yeah, if you're just First sitting...
4: First of all, my favorite sentence that's been uttered is, if you're taking the ham off site. That's my favorite <laughs> sentence of the morning. So, and I- Now, that's Pittsburgh radio at its finest right there. If you're taking the ham off-site, then we got a problem.
2: This is an off-campus ham. <laughs> <laughs> it's got some, some black site. Look, if it's in the midst of your workday
1: and um, you're chipping stuff resist. and stuff is flying off of that slicer... No, right in so your
2: mouth. You're thinking of it as like you're a chef, you're in the kitchen, you're cooking, and you're, you're sampling yeah. a little bit of what you're doing. Yeah. Maybe, that, that maybe that. Maybe it's
0: quality control. That's what she could have said. I don't think she was doing that. It's Just making sure it's okay for sale. Yeah, every every day like the, for the five king years. Used
2: to, the king, Kings used to have a tester for
4: poison. Maybe she's doing that.
1: I think that uh, Val had a uh, theory about this earlier that might be like the way that she... Went about doing this, which was you know when people ask for a little sample, they're yeah. like can I taste that? Every time she did that, she was like, fum, fum, fum. like put like cut off like three more.
4: That's some Bugs Bunny right there. One for you, one for me. Yeah. One for you, two, <laughs> two for me. One,
0: two for me. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> exactly. Now, <laughs> if anybody catches you, just light this candle.
0: I'd love to know specifically what it was she was taking. Ham. That's it
2: salami sometimes
1: salami it said
0: but never a dutch loaf
1: <laughs> oh uh, that probably came later
4: after talked all that it was like
0: three weeks ago <laughs> <laughs>
4: Now, if it was a Dutch loaf, they'd be offering her money.
0: (laughs) Take all you want. Seriously,
4: yeah. Hey, nice way to knock out that Dutch loaf.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's been sitting there for five years.
1: Oh yeah, it's probably because it was ham. Like if it was like the olive loaf or something like that, then and no one's mentioned that.
0: Maybe it was ham off the bone.
1: That's yeah, it's the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you don't mess around with that. But again. All right, you know, look—if you work in a coffee shop, aren't you allowed to have a cup of coffee?
3: I think so. You're allowed to have coffee, but you can't have a turnover. Steelers <laughs>
0: have Is that a joke that you I don't know? know? It's or, going or, back or to the oh, oh, yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah.
1: Remember how we were saying <laughs> at the commercial break how? <laughs> Mike beats, beats, so you beats went the, to the dead well, horse. Mike.
0: You
3: went to the well. We had him. We had him for oh, next no, week. That's just good, it's just good writing to wrap it up at the end where you started in the beginning. Don't
0: say rectum.
3: Special thanks to. Uh, rectum! No,
0: Jesus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Damn, they killed him! Thanks to Gene yeah.
1: Sterator for being on the show today. NFL referee, he's he's great. That's just a great segment each week. We do zebra talk with Gene Territory every. Uh, oh, every that's week. very cool. Oh, he's so good. Yeah, so he's, cool. been,
3: he's been really fun to talk to. The low these many years, and I'm happy he's happy in retirement. He's got a side gig, and he's helping us out.
1: Yeah, he did. Nice. you know, you heard him during the broadcast absolving the the uh, the stripes from calling the uh, the right call there on the punt, which clearly hit Nick Chubb in the face. Yeah,
3: see, I, don't, I think they. I wasn't convinced.
4: All right, so they botched that one, but 113 other ones.
3: <laughs> Thanks
1: to uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Charlie Batch for stopping by, Ken Hayward, and, of course, Billy Gardell. Love you, brother.
4: Love you guys, too, man. Love Have you, a bro. wonderful you, week. Everybody hold on tight, and I'll see you in this next next Tuesday.
1: Frank Caliendo returns tomorrow on the show. Meryl Hodge will be here, as well as Mark Madden, Mr. Wednesday, Jeff Conkle, and more. Michelle's up next with the Electric Lunch at Noon.
11: I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby.
2: For so now, you guys call me Ronald.
1: Would you not eat my pants?
2: Ronald. Ah!
9: <laughs>